Yeah, what's poppin'? It's your man, Dean Edwards. Welcome to another episode of the Father Bucket Protocol. Bringing the beat in right about now! Yeah. Hey, what's, what's poppin', man? It's, it's, it's good, to, good to be here and good to have you all listening yet again. I, uh, I'm still, I'm still somewhere beyond the sea. I'm still at sea, man. Uh, we, we have a man, Mac Macriera. Um, last week, and, and you know, keeping, keeping with the whole, um, BX theme, BX Latin theme, um, you know, have a, have a special guest, actually, you know, I'm almost in, in ashamed to say it, that this, this is our first female, you know, it's funny, I'm gonna get in trouble for this too, because I, I told, I told Marina, she was gonna be, like, I, anyway, yo, uh, give it up for the very funny, the very talented, y'all, y'all strap in, it's gonna be a blast, so, my girl and now yours, Miss Gina Brion. Gina, what's poppin'? How you doing, girl? I'm good. I'm glad I'm on this uh, ship with you. We're shipwrecked together. Yeah, I know, right? And in Marina's, just to defend Dean, he is stuck with me and has no choice <laughs> but to make me the first female <laughs> because I am here and he has nothing but time because we are stuck on this ship yes, with time to work out Word. And, and eat Word. and do podcast stuff. And then work out some more. And then work out some more. Two a days, man. I know. Yo, Two a days. I, you know what? I ain't go front. I've, I've been proud of myself because I've been look I um I on my on my phone I have this 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 step app mm-hmm. that uh that tells me how many steps I, I've taken daily give or take because it you know it's not exactly accurate I'm sure like if if I bounce on the bed right now it's like oh he's he's, he's walking again <laughs> but look I yesterday Woo! I had 18,000 steps 11 and a half miles I'm telling you, the day yeah. before Nine miles, sixteen thousand, twelve thousand steps, and seven. You know, so I've been, I've been getting it in, and we all have. But the yeah. good thing, for y'all, y'all that don't know, all, all the fam listening out there, they're, my people are fam, not fam. Oh, they're not fanatics. Fam. They're just Got fam. And um, is that I think we all sort of motivate each other. You know, that's and and I've I've mentioned that before um to y'all that uh. It just makes it so much easier when you know somebody as you as you board the ship. You know, oh, if yeah. you if you get on the ship, as I'm sure. Well, you you said when you when you found out you were doing it, um, you you found out that Mark and I were on and yes. and, and how what happened. I got I felt so much better about it because when yeah. I thought I was gonna be this is my first time doing a cruise ship. I was right. gonna be by myself. There's a bunch of rules. There's a bunch of stuff I can right. do. I was like, this is gonna be a miserable experience. Right, right, right. And I'm gonna be stuck by myself. And then, bam, I got two of my favorite people right, on right. This ship with me and showing me the ropes and motivating me to exercise. Mark actually greeted me mm-hmm. the day I got in. Like, found me as I was coming in. Oh yeah. Walked me through security. Oh, and that's everything. dope. Like, that's I was dope. like, thank, because I panic in situations like that. I think we all do. It's a, you know, it's 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 that old Cheers theme song. Sometimes you wanna go where everybody <laughs> know your name. The second you see a familiar face, you're yeah. just like, oh thank God. Yes, yes, especially. In a space that you're not familiar with, that you're not yeah. used to, that 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 is as hectic as this can, especially when boarding. Mm-hmm. And like I've noticed, even with our stops, as crazy as it gets, and so many people getting on and off right. the ship, right? So it's like, and then those situations just make. I'm already a paranoid traveler, so those situations already make me like extra. Paranoid. Are you really? Paranoid? I am so paranoid. Oh, about what? About I what? am like. First of all, the first time I ever had like it was like a road gig. 
I was on vacation, so I was flying from where I was in Texas to okay. Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Went to the wrong airport, missed my flight. Oh, I had damn. to get another flight. This was my first. So ever since then, mm-hmm. I've been a, par- a paranoid traveler. I have to be at the airport an hour to an hour and a half, like more like an hour and a half to two hours early. Like, okay. I have to be there. I'm okay. fine. Which is what they suggest anyway. Yeah, but I know <laughs> so many people that don't care, and I'm yeah. like, no, no, no. I, I'm fine getting there two to three hours right. earlier right. than I'm supposed to be there and just hanging out in the right. airport. Hurry up and wait. Yep. Yeah. I'll just sit there and do that. Um, Any kind of travel, like if my flight's delayed, I start to panic. Mm-hmm. Uh, rental car situations, mm-hmm. like when I go and rent a car and I'm talking to people, until I'm sitting in the car, I am nervous up until the point where I'm sitting in now, the car. Now, what do you, are now, <laughs> because I've had that, I've had it happen where, uh, going to the rental car space, you're like, all right, is this, is this the day that everything I've ever charged is going to hit and now my, yeah, my, so yeah. is that, is that where your paranoia is? It's part, it's part of that. It's also, you know, because they do charge you what, any rental car place you go puts mm-hmm. two to three hundred dollars on your right. card as a security. Right, thing. right, right. So it's like knowing it's like all you all you have in your head is cha ching, cha ching, cha ching. Like going off in your head from mm-hmm. the second you buy the flight or whatever to when you get to the rental okay. car. Okay. And so it's like all of that just kind of sets more of the panic in. Plus it's like just let me get to the car, especially right. if I'm in Los Angeles. It's like so let me get to the car, let me get to whatever I have to do so I can stop thinking about this. Yeah. Yeah, I but, but yeah, I do I do that a little bit, especially in L.A. Whenever when when I go to L.A., um, which is really the only place I, I've uh, been renting from recently, because the, the the road gigs, if it's not a college, they'll just come. Even the college, they'll yeah, scoop a most brother. Most of the colleges will come yeah. pick you up. But uh, or it'll be a student in a, in a Honda Civic. <laughs> Hi, I'm nervous to pick you up. Hi, uh, have, uh, are you the comedian? Are you the comedian? <laughs> No, but with L.A., the way I've sort of figured a way around that now is uh, I, I threat with, I threat, I threat with Thrifty. I rent with Thrifty, right? Okay. And Thrifty, because it's, uh, I think it's called Blue Chip. If you're a Blue Chip, like if you rent with them a lot uh, and you get, it's not even really status. It's just you sign up and, and give them all your information. So now, usually when I land... I don't have to wait in the line. I can just go straight to the straight through the uh the main lobby where everyone's waiting in line to get a car and then you go to the back and you see your name on oh, the list. Oh, they do the same and, thing at Hertz. I'm a gold okay. member at Hertz, okay, but boom. Hertz is way more expensive. Oh, okay. That's the only problem because I as much as I I love the fact that I can just go to Hertz and my uh-huh. name is on the board and yeah. and I just pick up my car and just go. Just go to the car, right? It's so much more expensive. Oh, okay. It yeah. really is. Yeah. I, I, I regret almost becoming a gold member, uh-huh. but it's whatever. Right, right, I'll right. Get, I've actually been Ubering it a lot in L.A. Everyone said... Now, here's the thing. Everyone, and, and y'all listeners, y'all tell me if um if y'all experience this as well. Everyone is is up on Uber. My boy, uh, Robert Powell, like I've been staying with my buddy Sydney, and Robert was mm-hmm. staying out there um, too. And he was like... Man, you rent a car. Why are you rent a car? Just get Uber. How cheap? Okay, say, say you land in L.A. Okay. You land in LAX, and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to say the Laugh Factory. How okay. much do you think an Uber hmm. would cost from 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 point LAX, a, LAX to, to the point B? Factory. The factory. Okay, so that's probably I'm gonna guesstimate. What like a thirty minute ride? Maybe? Yeah, if that. Thirty minutes. Yeah. That's with traffic and everything. Right. Um, 
I can tell you from the last time I was there, a 30-minute ride from where I was in the valley uh-huh. to one of my meetings mm-hmm. was, where was your 25 meeting? to $30. It was it was about the same distance. I don't remember you exactly like Beverly where. Hills? Yeah, but it was, okay. yeah, it was about the same distance. It was like a 30-minute ride, basically. So it was almost like a dollar a minute yeah. with Uber. Almost. And that de- that's more dependent on the traffic. Okay. But even still, it's drastically cheaper in L.A., than it is in New York to use Uber. Really? Oh, so so it so is, New so New York is it's still always gonna be always New gonna York be more expensive States. because it's like it's not a necessity in right. New York. You can take a you can take a train right. or you you don't need it. Right. In Los Angeles, it's kind of an you need a car. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like you got to get from point A to point B. But they realize people already have cars. Right. So if you're taking an Uber, it's a luxury for you. So it's not something you're going to spend a, mm-hmm. like a whole lot of money on. You're just like, right. I'm just going to, you know, take an Uber there instead of having to park my car somewhere. Or mm-hmm. maybe like a couple people that want to go out and have drinks, they'll take an Uber. They know not a lot of people are using Uber. Oh, right. Because, yeah, and that's that's where they get you in L.A. is, is paying for parking after the first hour. Exactly. At a lot of restaurants. So So in a week... How much this we'll get to talking about? Yeah, we'll talk about other but, stuff. But no, but this, this is, is like... interesting. So, in a week, if you're out in LA for a week and you're you're having meetings, you know, a couple of meetings, say four meetings throughout the maybe maybe more, maybe less, and then you might have to say run to do a couple of spots. How much do you think you'll spend in a week on your Uber, on your transportation with Uber? Because, for instance, I know the last time I was just in L.A., mm-hmm. and I think to rent a car... For a week is yeah. expensive. It can be. Yeah. Like, I always... What I always do, I go on, I lock in my reservation at whatever the cost is, and then I just check back every couple of days because, you know, they they yep. peak and valley. Yep. So you mess around. You might lock in a reservation for, for five or six days for you know, $270, and then next thing you know, you come back a couple couple of days later, and not a lot of people have rented, so now the prices drop down to 210 I think, yeah, when I was just out there, I got out there Sunday, and I left, I got there Sunday morning at, uh, like, 8 a.m. from, from uh, where was I, Dallas, and I left on the Red Eye Friday night, so I dropped the car off at, like, 9 o'clock, and I think it was $210. That's actually not bad for like a couple of days. But I would say if you're using Uber, depending on how many trips you're making, because mm-hmm. a lot of them are $4, $6. Right, right. Here and there, it's, you know, uh, it's not that expensive right. at all. Even the longer trips, like I said, maybe $25, $30. Mm-hmm. You can probably end up spending, I want to say, anywhere from 150 mm-hmm. To two hundred, depending on how many stops you're making okay. in a week. Okay. Okay. Which is still less than you'd spend on a rental still car. Still less than two hundred. Yeah, <laughs> you're not paying for parking and you're not paying for gas. And you don't have the paranoid feeling of worrying whether or not you're gonna be able to, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> whether or not you have the funds available on exactly your, on your card or or them saying, oh, this is a debit. We need a credit card. You yeah, know, like, oh, I will say Ubering it was so much easier. Yeah. This like the past two times I've been to Los Angeles and renting a car. I do, I do hate the fact that I don't have the freedom of like a rental car where I can just jump just get in up my and car go, and go. Which is why that's that's yeah. why I I usually uh. Um. So it was an adjustment 
to use Uber this time or okay. these past two times I've been to LA, but you know, it's financially just better. And when you when you land, what like when do you order the order the Uber? Well, the... I've only gotten an Uber when I landed at an airport in New York because uh-huh. I think Los Angeles is a little more strict with their um restrictions in terms of uh, Uber being at the airport. I'm okay. not sure. But um I think I've you're right. I think me yeah. Up. Someone said you have to catch a cat catch the shuttle to a rent yes. car place. Somebody in told me that too, yeah. yeah. Okay. That it's much easier if you just do that than trying to have okay. them come into the airport. Um, so I've, I've only either, I've had people pick me up from the airport, you mm-hmm. know, you have friends mm-hmm. or worst case scenario, I would do that. I would just take the shuttle, whatever shuttle right. to, comes to along Hertz. to Hertz or whatever. Right. And then get over there. Okay. But, All right. Now, I'm pro Uber. Right. What I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is I'm pro Uber. Right. Now, now you, you already told everyone this, this is your first time on, uh, on the cruise ship. I'm, I'm curious how, how have you... How have you perceived, how did you perceive doing a cruise ship gig, first off, and then has it been a positive experience? Obviously, you have Mark and myself here, so I'm sure that's helped make it easier, like you said, but what was your perception? What was your reluctance? Were you reluctant to doing it? Um... You know, so you're nodding yes. <laughs> I'm I'm just trying to prepare what I should say right now in my head because I I did not want to do it. Okay, why not? Um, I hate the seclusion of it. Okay, I think as um, I'm so used to friends and then being with people that the idea of mm-hmm. that I wouldn't know who the headliners were or that I w- I would be here by myself and mm-hmm. I'm not I'm. I mean, I and mean, you've experienced this just being here with me for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. I'm not a very social person. Mm-hmm. Like, outside of comedy or hanging out with my friends. Mm-hmm. Like, we went to a dance club last night. I danced for three seconds, and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm done. I'm Yo, done. let me tell y'all. This is funny. So, money. And he was, you know it was funny? Because he was so, like, clean cut looking. So, on, uh, what was it? So, Wednesday nights, they have Latin night, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, they and they have a Latin band and they're playing salsa and merengue and 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 they're getting it in and and this guy and the, the dance floor is filled with you have you have you know families you have you have old people <laughs> yeah. killing it out there then you have like people with their kids and then you have a lot of just uh you know single young young males and females dancing and there was this one guy and I saw you didn't see him and backstory Gina told me right <laughs> Gina told me that she um she's not big on going out dancing that's not her thing she's not like I, I was explaining to her I was like oh I used to I used to be a club head I used to go out to the nightclubs all the time like the, the only thing slowed down going out of nightclub was the fact that it was it was not open on Wednesday but I would go I would go on Tuesdays I would I would go, I remember going on on Thursdays Friday Saturday if there was a holiday on Monday, I'd go Sunday, <laughs> and then sometimes they'd have like you the one club that in. yeah I would I mean that was my I love dancing right so she tells me she she's not really into dancing she doesn't like uh, dancing she, it's I old, don't like dancing you know, with strangers strangers that's weird right. and, I don't know you right and and that's what was funny because we were talking about the fact that dudes would just walk up behind you and 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 just start grinding on you right like like no. the etiquette. The etiquette, and this was always weird for me. I never felt comfortable just walking up to a girl and just grabbing her. Like, you, me, go. Right? 
And and so we we saw a couple of nights ago that um you know they had this other party and th- these young girl these young ladies they no they were girls these weren't young girls. ladies they they're were not some even girls. like yeah little girls basically or girls young girls yo and 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 I mean you're seeing you're seeing pubic hairs hang out the bottom and of the shorts meat. and booty meat <laughs> spilling out and they're fine with it and and so. This dude last night, he uh, <laughs> he was watching Gina for 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 a little stretch. <laughs> for, well, here's was I didn't know if he was looking. At, I saw him just looking in our direction, and he he just he just had a smile on his face, oh, right? God. <laughs> Not a creepy smile, but honestly, any dude looking in your direction, smiling, eh, it's, it's a little creepy. creepy. It, it yeah. looks creepy, it so he's just smiling, and and, uh, and next thing I know. Money gets up and starts walking towards us. So I'm like, oh, it's kind of early. He's getting up to leave, and then he comes over, and I just see him. Was he? He said he said something to you. He said, "Do you want to dance?" Like, but here's the thing that you didn't see. Uh-huh. While we were doing our little goofy dances that we were doing, uh-huh. me and you, by the by ourselves. right, because we were just clowning. Yeah, acting silly. And uh, he looked at me, uh-huh. so I like smiled and like did a little dance, and I think he thought I was asking him uh-huh. to dance. So I went back to talking to you. So when he came over, it was my worst nightmare in real life. Just happening to me right now is this guy asking me to do something I hate doing. And I felt bad because he looked like a kid. He was like 17, 18. He looked like a kid. And he was like, do you want to dance? And in my head, I was screaming, no. Right. And then and here's where I I come in. I, I just <laughs> you I, I put my head on the back of my leg. Go do it. <laughs> like I feel I like, a push. I was like, on my go, back. go, go. I was like, he no, because in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm like, dang, I know, I know, he sat there for a while, and then he had that internal, that internal uh, monologue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can go and talk to her. I mean, she she looks friendly. Oh, she just smiled at me. Yeah, I mean, that <laughs> she's inviting me over to, to ask her. She wants me to ask her to dance, you know. So I didn't want it. So it so, was so it awkward. Was, it was, it was and cute. I danced with him a little bit, but I swear to you, I, I stared at my feet the whole time. And this dude's probably like, yeah, she's looking at my crotch. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm staring at my feet. <laughs> look, I don't want to. Look at that. We danced for like an eighth of a salsa yeah, song. Yeah, it was, it was the, one song. I, I, was, I was never more thankful for a song to be over. Oh, yeah. That than was, at that point. And that then I funny. just, I told Dean, I was like, all right, went past my comfort level. I'm done. <laughs> but you know what? You have you you have to you have to face your fears, and you did. <laughs> that was the speech my brother gave me before yeah. I came on this thing. Cause I, you know, my brother knows that I'm not a very like I don't do stuff like this very well. Oh, okay. And um, being with my brother, he's very independent. He's very. You like, live with him now. Yeah, yeah? I live okay. with my brother now. In New York, LA. New York. New York. Okay. And he's just very. He's very independent and used to doing a lot of things by himself, whereas I'm so used to being around people mm-hmm. that the thought of me being on a ship by myself and having to do things mm-hmm. and be social kind of scares me. But um, Now, why? I'm just out of Have you always been that way? Always. It's so strange. Being on stage, I'm fine with. Mm-hmm. Getting off stage and greeting the crowd, I'm fine with. Okay. Everything else that requires me to be social, I am a night. It is a nightmare. Do you know where that stems from? Um... Because that's injured. That that's that's something that uh, you I I don't hear a lot of comics say, but I I'm sure it exists. You yeah. know, the same way you used to hear Michael Jackson would say, 
that he when when he's on stage he turns into a different different creature. Beyonce when she's on stage she turns into Sasha Fierce, but yeah. off stage just very very docile, very very, very quiet, chill, very, very like I don't. It's I maybe it's a thing where um, I'm so center stage in my career and in my you know uh, I'm when I'm out there and on stage there you are all the attention's on you and right. I'm fine with that because right. I am in control okay but I think being out of the driver's seat and just being amongst people and not being able to control any of the uh, elements that's interesting. That's is interesting. very much like I can't I can't control this like I told you the other day when we had the um uh what was it the drill that we mm -hmm. had at the boat I was okay sort of in mm -hmm. the drill mm -hmm. but it's literally it's one of you know it's again one of my worst nightmares i'm packed in a tiny room with a bunch of people that i don't know right right i saw okay. maybe two or three people that i knew right and flocked towards them okay because if i'm with somebody i know i'm fine but the second we were ushered into the captain's meeting right i knew nobody right and full-scale panic attack really? like couldn't breathe like, oh, wow. And the thing that people don't understand about panic attacks is that you won't know what's happening to somebody. Because the last thing they want you to do is no. Oh, okay. So I will be quiet. So you sort of shut down. I, yeah, I shut down. And I won't, and I'm literally frozen in fear. And wow, I yo, I, I, this, I'm, I'm learning something yeah. new as I'm sure some of the people that are listening on. And um, I think that, you know, and I've had a lot of experiences with panic attacks. Like socially, I used to have mm -hmm. them like a lot. And then... This past, these past couple of months, you know, just with everything that's going on in my life, mm -hmm. there's been a lot of, like, panic attacks that have occurred, and I've learned to deal with them, mm -hmm. but it was like, yeah, that, in the meeting, it was just like, I knew nobody, mm -hmm. and then when I tried to leave, they stopped me, which oh, made it which even made it worse. worse, yeah. Because I'm like, I'm trapped, the thing, it goes in your mind, like, I'm trapped, oh my god, I'm trapped, I'm trapped, and you're freaking out in your brain, and your chest gets tight, and you mm. can't breathe, and you're like... I'm dying. I literally feel... I'm like, I'm I'm dying, like, right now. I'm going to die. I'm going right. to drop dead right now in this spot. And it's not until... And even coming down from that is just really exhausting, which is probably also why I think... Um, I think that was the day, the St. Thomas Day. Yeah, that was uh, Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. and I was, like, freaking out, and I finally... I just had to get off the boat. Like, I had to get off. So I was in a rush to just get off the mm -hmm. boat. I was like, somebody let me off the boat. And I got but off. then doesn't that now that that invites a whole new set of uh, of paranoia because now you're getting you're getting off a, a ship that at least is home for the week, yeah. and now you're getting you're going into a totally foreign uh, yeah. island that you're not from. You really don't know anybody. So it so it constantly like is, it's constant it's constant like oh, wow. fear of like and you have to learn how to cope with it and I you know I have friends I immediately I called my best friend mm -hmm. and he was like what's going on and like I had texted him I was like I'm freaking out I'm freaking out I'm freaking out and he's trying to just calm me down mm -hmm. and so you know he kind of talked me through it and was like look like just take deep breaths and call, you're fine nothing's happening to you you're fine you're safe mm -hmm. everything's cool. And you kind of need that. If you have any kind of social anxiety, you just mm -hmm. need that person that you can... That's not going to freak out. Right, right. Because a lot of people might freak out if they know, like, like what you're going through. So right. it's like... And it is very strange as a performer to kind of have that. Mm hmm To kind of... Because sometimes it can really make it look like you're so antisocial in those mm -hmm. moments where it's... And it's just like, no, I'm freaking out and I, I kind of need to come down from this. Mm -hmm. You know? 
when you when I'm pulling back from certain social situations, I'm sure I look like a terrible human being. I'm sure I look like this person that just doesn't want to talk to anybody. Right, right, right. And it's like, no, it's not. It's not that at all. It's just I, I'm not comfortable in this situation, and yeah. I, I need to get to a comfortable place. Right, right, right. And d- d- you know, in the uh, oh wow, he he, uh, wow. Um, <laughs> so I'm sorry, y'all. W- w- Wimbledon is on, and and. There's a lot going on. Yeah, right Rafa Nadal uh, just lost to to a dread who I'm I'm not familiar with Dustin Brown, but I am now. So uh, wow, and Nadal's one of my favorite uh, okay. male players. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, this that's fascinating to me because I I never now that you say that now I'm like oh like you put it, pieces it's, you together. start putting putting the the usual suspects pieces together and yeah. like, and, and, oh she was. She, uh, I sang with a sang with a uh, a quartet in Skokie, Illinois, and you see in the bottom of the, you know, um, sorry, y'all, I'm a I'm a movie nerd. Um, <laughs> no, so does it ever? Does it ever? Because you you go now. Do you go to? You don't mind me mentioning that you um go to see a therapist? Yeah. yeah is does the therapist uh. Is that one of the reasons you go to a therapist to address that? When they started, when the panic attacks started happening more often, to Mm -hmm. the point where I felt like I can't function. Oh, when they started happening in airports, and I Mm -hmm. I couldn't get through an airport without freaking out. Like I was like, "What is going on with me?" And that was more stuff that was going on in my personal life, and Mm -hmm. like that kind of was triggering this response that I was like, I am freaking out and I travel so much. Yeah, I was going to say, that's part of your job. Yeah, I travel so much and I was like, I ju- I was like, I got to a point where I was like, I need help with mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. So it was one of the reasons that I went and I was like, I need to talk to somebody because mm-hmm. it became, it started to affect so much of my life. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Going to therapy did help a lot. I'm not big on you know medicating yourself. I'm more I, kind of I agree. yeah. I'm more kind of like let's figure out what it is. Because right. what medication does is put a cap on it. You're just kind yeah. of you're kind of trying to stop the volcano right. by putting something over it instead of trying to figuring out what what's triggering all of this. Right, it's, and it's really uh, like a, I think the. I mean, I'm sh- there are medic. Don't get me wrong. If 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 no, I'm I mean, sick and that, and yeah. my nose is running and I can't get over something, reasons. I will get that theraflu in in the middle yeah, of February. Yeah, like if uh, you have February. depression or if you're right. bipolar and you you need these right. medications. Right. I have plenty of friends who suffer. I have so many friends that take depression medication mm-hmm. or like social anxiety medication. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to know if I could control this myself. No, and I think I think it's. I I agree. I think it's better to at least make the attempt to see if you can address whatever whatever situation or illness that you might have. I I don't like like in the ones if I can, I will fight a cold just on some here. I'm going to just drink, flush my drink yeah. drink water and do a lot of garlic. People people let me tell you something. People don't realize how powerful water is and healing it is and also garlic like garlic. anytime i'm sick i will dice i will take garlic a bunch of cloves of penicillin yeah and and i dice it up and just i drop it in some soup and i eat it with, with everything and, yeah. and and people like yo what's that smell i'm like me getting better you know <laughs> like, me getting better you shouldn't be it's here cuz I'm, I'm i'm healing <laughs> yeah um so I think I think honestly I think more people should should go that route. I think it's become easy to medicate oh, and yeah. hide the problem, and it's it serves as a what on did you ever watch ER? 
Yeah. yeah. So you know what Opacalp is. Um, it was like a placebo. Uh-huh. The, yeah. the, the, the doctors, when they when they saw someone that had, uh, when they were like a hypochondriac and they didn't really see any, and they're like, no, don't, I have a fever. And, and, and they're like, oh, you know what, uh, give them a, give them a prescription to uh, some, some Opacalp, which is placebo backwards. And it was just sugar pills. They were just sugar mm-hmm. pills. They would take them and suddenly people were like, yeah, you know what, thanks doctor, I feel a lot better better it was sugar but they yeah. just they needed something to make them feel oh okay i'm taking something so this has to be yeah. helping um and as now as as a latina because when you mentioned and it's it's interesting when you mentioned earlier to me this week that um and you mentioned it what i what i dug was you were just very free you didn't you're like yeah i said gotta deal with my therapist you were just like i, I have a meeting with my therapist i got on used Thursday. to it i got to the point where i had to get used to saying like i have a therapist mm-hmm. um did you now like i said because because ethnic communities we don't deal we with it. do not deal we no nope. we come up on some we need to be superhuman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you, know, you don't tell a stranger. You don't your tell problems. a stranger your problems. You don't talk to you f- nobody about nothing. Right, you figure it out. You figure it out yourself. Suck it up and drive on. Yeah. And that's all fine and dandy until you can't. Uh-huh, and right? it's there's no. I think there's a lot of shame in the ethnic community that's what, for yeah. admitting you can't deal with right, something, right. and there shouldn't be. Right. Because certain situations, and there were certain certain situations that. I was going through that I was like, I can't deal anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it was friends of mine and, you know, they were all like, you know, well, why don't you talk to somebody? And it took me a while to be like... Were, the, were okay. these friends white? They were in fact. Uh-huh. Okay. They were in fact white uh, male comics, a lot of them. Dig it. Who Dig were it. like, you know, I see a therapist or this person sees a therapist or you should talk to somebody. And the reason I say that for any listeners is not on some racial thing, but more no. so I... I the majority of my friends that I know that have therapists are are white males. Yeah, you know, and, it's, and they it's they're, just a cultural yeah. difference. Yeah. Like even when I told my mom, and I know she didn't mean it in a malicious way. When I told my mm-hmm. mom that I was seeing a therapist, she laughed in my face. Oh wow, wow! But I think she thought it was like, oh, you're not, and then it was right. like, oh, okay. Right. So you're seeing a therapist because there's this thing also when you mention seeing a therapist where they're like. Oh, are you crazy? Like when you're talking to right. parents or relatives, like, right. like are so you gonna are you gonna shoot up a, a, yeah. a post you, office? Right. Yeah, right. Are, are you are you trying to hurt yourself? Right. Are you like crazy? Right. And it's like, no, I'm going through a hard time, and I needed to talk to somebody who can talk me off this ledge that right. I'm on, right. and bring me back into reality and help me just sort things out. And so, I I have no problem saying it now, but you know, having been single these past couple of months and Mm -hmm. dating people it was something i had to get used to saying like oh by the way Mm -hmm. i can and i had to do it right away oh really so so if say uh like uh the the guy you're uh seeing now yeah how far into dating or y'all hanging out kicking it did you or is it or is it something that as soon as you meet you're like hey just so you know i see a therapist um well i kind of bring it up um I don't think I said anything. That, I may have said something on the first date. Oh, wow. But, okay. like, very casually. It's not like, um, like, we would talk about stuff, and I'm like, oh, yeah, and then I have an appointment with my therapist tomorrow, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I would just say it like that because if I ever got to the point where I was ashamed to say it, mm-hmm. I would live in that, at that point. Oh, that's If I ever, like... Is that something you learned from going to the therapy, or is that something you just It's of... something that I kind of had within me 
um, where I, I know myself well enough mm-hmm. to be like, if I don't say this right now in this moment when I'm given the chance, or if I don't show all my cards right now, mm-hmm. at some point you're going to find this out and it's going to be weird if I try to kind of push it down. Right, okay. So I'd rather just be like, this is something that I do. Right. I see a therapist. I talk to somebody. And if right. that bothers you, then you probably shouldn't date me or you okay. probably shouldn't be with me. Right, like, right. Which is a kind of a valid point. It's like I had, I, agree. I had a conversation with... um the guy that I'm seeing now in Mm -hmm. terms of like, you know, how much to disclose to the Mm -hmm. person you're dating. And I said, well, I kind of, I'm kind of like a full disclosure kind of person. Like Mm -hmm. ask me whatever you want, because at some point you're going to find this out about me. Mm -hmm. So you might as well find out now. I'd rather you find out week one than month seven. And and, and you're like, wait, what? You never told me. Okay. I'd rather you find that out now. And I even explained to him, like, even if it was something that I was ashamed of, Mm -hmm. That, you know, I felt like I needed to tell you because if you like the woman that you see in Mm -hmm. front of you, that's part of who she is. Okay. You kind of need to know that that's where I came from. Right. And so I think it's important because I think too many people, and I don't understand dating at all, by the way. Oh, I'm terrible at it. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I'm not good at it. Now, when you say, when you say you don't get it, what you... You don't understand that I in don't. order to to grow in a relationship with someone that you kind of have to be around them. It's <laughs> no, kind of par I, for the course. I <laughs> don't understand them because I am a serial monogamous. So I went from a five-year to a three-year to a seven-year. So I went bam, bam, bam. Oh, okay. And people are like, well, how did you meet these guys? I'm like, they were all guys I already knew. Uh-huh. I, I was friends with them. or I met, Like, they were all people I knew. I never had to oh. date. I'm actually still on. I, I've never heard it put that way. She's a serial monogamous. Yes. Serial <laughs> monogamous, addicted to being a girlfriend. That's I, I am so good at being a girlfriend. Okay, but I am terrible at dating. Like I, I just That's don't funny. get it. It's like, I, I don't get casual dating at all because uh-huh. it's like if I meet a guy and I like him, I kind of only want to see him. I don't need to date right. four other guys to be like, oh, I really right. like this to, guy. To, <laughs> to, <laughs> to do a process a of elimination. Yeah, <laughs> pick but a card, pick a man, any man. The dating world has changed so drastically right. too since the last time that I was single. So it's like, oh, that's a, yeah. Because now the what's the bender bender Tinder. Uh, that's Tinder. how I met the guy that I'm dating. Right, now. Like, right. I, look, I that's so. Him. Look, I'm <laughs> if you if it's changed drastically since you dated. I'm way, I even know, uh, I'm father time. It has changed. Bender. Last time I was single, I was like 19. I'm 35 right, now. Right, and wow, I'm like, I don't, wow. I don't understand how any of this works because nobody's right. really honest anymore. Everybody like. Well, everyone has, has, has their, uh, their avatar. Yeah. Their representative. Oh, their representative. Their a- avatar. It's such a yeah. perfect term. That I've heard you so many times that the representative yeah. comes forward yeah. and it's like this is this is who I feel you're dating. Yeah. Um, yes. Don't worry about the real person, but you met me as as stud icon three five seven because I I pack guns on both arms. You know? Yes, exactly. It's like right. they put they put their best representative forward, right. and you're like this is this is who I'm meeting right now. But who are you? Right. And the I think the benefit of being a comedian is mm-hmm. that quite often I feel like we are ourselves yeah. all the time. Yeah. So it's like you don't get my or an exaggeration of yeah. of that self. So when I would go out with people, I'm like, you're not getting my representative. You're getting me. Right. This is this is me, and right. I don't understand why you're so scared. Right. To to be you. Right. Like what is so awful. About you, that you're well, you so know scared. what? That's that's where it's almost like your 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 vocation serves 
serves you, serves me yeah. beneficially because you have grown. Let's say it's almost like you look at it in terms of when you first got on stage versus now. When you first got on stage, you were uh, high, and you were high. you were and you just want that you, first laugh. You just want the laugh. You're not necessarily. You don't know why you're funny. Yep. You just are. And then over over the course of time, you've gotten comfortable with the silences. You've gotten comfortable um, in the dating world. You've gotten comfortable with yourself. Yeah. And so we have that benefit when we meet new people, especially if it's post-show. If they've seen yeah. us on stage for an hour, then you're like, yo, what's, what's popping? You, you saw everything pretty much about me but also the downside to that is that if you meet people and we do often and i i knew uh i had been on a couple dates with guys that had met me from shows Mm -hmm. and i was like oh okay they want that version Uh, of you 100 of the time they want that on stage that's what they yeah i can see that i can see that you are 100 of the time but that is an exaggeration of who we are right so there are so many other parts yeah and elements to who we are and to how much work goes into that that kind of pulling them out of it and going, no, I'm a, I'm an actual person. person. This is this is flesh. This is yes. a fleshed out. A you saw you saw you saw scenes from my life, but yeah. there's more. There's to there's that. a backstory that you're now gonna get, and it's are you gonna be comfortable with that backstory? Right. That I'll right. more than I'll freely give it to you, but you have to understand that there's more to that. Well, as a as a female kind of because you as you said that that made me think of. Um, I, uh, one of my, well, you know what I can say, like, uh, Le- Leslie Jones, and I, like, I remember Leslie used to have guys coming up to her, like, Leslie has a whole bit, I don't know if she still does it, but back in the day, um, she had a whole, what Todd used to dub, yeah, Le- <laughs> yeah, Leslie done gave a, a dick sucking seminar <laughs> on stage because, but it was such, it was such a powerful joke, she's like, and she starts talking to women in the audience. You 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 suck a dick. You suck. Are you sucking dick? Right. But then after she would come off stage, guys would uh, approach her on some you know so oh so it's popping you know oh my and she and she used to get mad about it and I used to tell her I was like well Leslie I was like yeah men are creepy but if you put but it you've out put there, out there yeah. that's part of your persona so dudes are now curious and interested because you just sold you just you just sold it you know yeah like like uh what's the guy tony robbins or the 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 guru the guru like you just sold every dude in here about the benefits of why a woman should give give not only head but give good head and you had women in here applauding too so you now are the guru of 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 fellatio and dudes are like yo what's, what's popping yeah and, it's what you put out there it's like that i mean i am and i love you leslie i'm just saying and like she if she heard me say that that's not something we haven't yeah, spoken no, about you but that is something you have to take into consideration yeah. like if you put that out there there are guys in the audience that are like oh word right because a lot of people will will take things at face value yeah you know and, and i mean they're, they're they're from any bit you do you know People, I I usually, because I talk so much about the other side of marriage as far as the, the, the frustration mm-hmm. and how marriage is not perfect and it's work and there's a lot of tolerance, 
I I usually will end my show saying, but listen, these these are jokes. This this truth to to this, but I love my wife. Yeah, you know. But you do because, have to kind of disclaimer because some people there's a certain amount of common sense that people lack in terms of separating what is the joke from what is the real life. Right. And it's like, yes, there's comedy in what we're talking mm-hmm. about. We're talking about these real life situations. But even with Leslie's joke, it's like, yeah. Maybe she's absolutely right and hits the nail on the head mm-hmm. and she nails every aspect of it and she's the queen of fellatio right. to the guys <laughs> in the crowd. Right. But there is an etiquette mm-hmm. to it. Like you don't just right. go right up to a girl and, and that's be like, yeah, right. right. That's where the common sense comes right. in where it's right. like, if you play your cards right, dudes, you might win. Right, right. But there's a, there's a back and forth. Like, it's not something... And some people get frustrated with the fact that there is an etiquette like that when you put stuff out there like that. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, there is. Mm-hmm. There's just an etiquette and... Well, that's 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 the name of the show, The Father Monkey Protocol. That's yeah. uh, that's the, the, protocol. the protocol. If somebody If somebody puts it out there on stage... You gotta know how to you, you work it to get how it how to, out of them. Yeah. And, also understand that as female comics, like... Just because, and those girls that are super dirty on stage, mm-hmm. and I'm not. I'm right. not a right. dirty comic. You will never hear anything about my sex life. Sorry, guys. Right. That's not happening. Not talking about you're it. Not, you're not going to go on stage like, so I um, I <laughs> was was uh, raped the other day, yeah. but I liked it. Yeah, no, I'm not going to be that comic right. that's like, um, so this is the amount of guys I've had sex with this week. Right, right. Um, I'm not gonna be that No, that you didn't, you, 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 you didn't do it right because it would have been a question mark at then. Oh, so, I had sex with a bunch of guys last week. week. Yeah. It's but I some, liked it. <laughs> but I liked it. I'm so confused by that. Confused by it? I don't understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. I'm not gonna be that chick, but as like a female comic, when you, you know, just because those girls put that out there. Mm-hmm. There is a protocol to right. getting to that side of their personality. Right. You have to get the golden ticket. Right. You don't just get given the golden right. ticket. And some of those girls are full of crap. I hate to burst your bubble, yeah. but some of those girls are just are doing playing, it as a playing gimmick. Playing a role. Playing yeah. a role. Playing, don't playing get a all excited because you never know who's playing a role, who's playing a character, and who is really like that. Right, right. Well, that, and I think that's uh, that's one of the... Like I, I I like people that are are authentic. Mm-hmm. On stage. Now that's not to say I can't laugh at. Like growing up, you know, I dug Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. Did I think he walked around like this all the time? No, because I knew just from being a a a, a, a sort of student of entertainment that there's a guy named Paul Rubens that plays Pee Wee Herman. Herman. Exactly, and so. I wouldn't necessarily walk up to Paul Rubin and say, oh, man, do the laugh. Do the laugh. You got to do the laugh. Are you going to do the laugh? Please do the laugh. <laughs> Thanks, man. I needed that. He did the laugh. You know, but there are people out there that if he was, if Paul Rubin's having having lunch, having dinner in a restaurant, I remember seeing him when they were doing his, uh, they were doing their the Pee Wee Herman play, and we, we saw them, um, uh, my wife and I saw him at a restaurant, Virgil's in, in Manhattan okay. uh, on, I think, West or East 46th Street um, in Times Square. And Seth Meyers' brother, Josh, was there. Josh and I obviously knew each other because Seth and I um, were cool from SNL. So when I saw Josh, we were like, yo, what's up, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I was like, oh, what's going on? And he was like, yeah, man, this is uh, this is, uh, my castmates. These are my castmates. We're, we're doing a Pee Wee show. And I met um, I met Paul and said hello. And 
in my mind, if it crossed my mind, it was more just crossed my mind like, oh shoot, that's that's Pee Wee Herman. He looks so much different just yeah. as a regular cat. But nowhere in my head did I think to myself, oh dude, you gotta do do the laugh. You gotta do the laugh. You gonna do the laugh. And as a, do you find as a, because I know it does get frustrating um, when people want you to be what you're on stage, off stage. As as a female comic, do you find that guys will sort of come up and w- use your act to get in with you? Oh, use yeah, your act course. like you know. And, and, I in, in my act, I do talk about liking like super dominant guys, like okay. super macho guys, right? Which I do. I like a guy with confidence, but there's right. you know, <laughs> and plenty of guys have been like they'll they'll well, they recall just, that bit and they'll like. Will they just come and grab you? Have you ever had someone? come and just, you know just what? straight yoke you like, yo, hey, what's up? To, to a certain extent, yeah. Really? Wow. And I am a, I am a tiny person. Right, right, <laughs> I'm a right. a short right. person. Right. So, um, and I've, I've luckily not ever hit anybody because mm-hmm. I've been able to diffuse the situation. Right, but it's right. been like, you do have guys that'll come up to you or like guys that'll get a little too aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep a safe distance. Like if I notice that somebody's already being aggressive mm-hmm. and... And That's you can read, you can read them, yeah. right? And I, I keep a pretty safe distance and kind of diffuse the situation or get out of it as fast as possible. Mm, okay. Um, so that I don't have to hit anybody. Right. This is this is what I train for. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like I think my coaches would all be happy if I was like, you're right. not gonna believe I punched this dude out. Right. Um, but Gina, Gina kickboxes and MMAs and all and all. That. <laughs> yeah. She's not to be messed with. <laughs> But there's, I mean, I'm thankful for those moments. I had an aggressive group of dudes, a group of guys that hadn't even seen me as a comedian. Mm-hmm. I had just done Chelsea lately and I'd come off the set and I was all dolled up and mm-hmm. I was staying at this crackhead hotel in California. They put you up in no, this? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I was about to say, geez, I know it's, I know it's E, but damn. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was only because I was coming in for the day and then leaving like within oh, a couple okay. of hours. Oh, wow. Like, okay. So, so. Um, I they followed me from Mm-mm. the elevator to my door, the, my room, and were talking to me. They were, a, I think, they were a group from um, Italy, and they were talking to me in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of just talking with them in, in Spanish and trying to keep a safe distance. Mm-hmm. And I remember being hyper aware. And this is where, like, this mm-hmm. is why I think so many women should train because I was hyper aware. Your spidey like, senses right. are tingling. Yes. Right. I was like, there's five dudes. Okay, how far is my room from here? Right. I'm noticing the exits. I'm like, if anything did go down, how right. fast can I get away? Right. Um, then they were asking me really creepy questions. Like, really? You know, are you are you alone? Are you no. by yourself? And I was just like, and what you have to do is like, and this is something I think I learned also from doing comedy, is never show that you're scared. Right, right. Never show that you're freaking out. And I just spoke very confidently. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, no, I'm not by myself. I'm, you know, with my husband and he's in the room and I'm going to go get him now. Right, right. My giant husband right. who is huge my and six scary. foot seven husband. Uh, <laughs> formerly played for uh, the Cincinnati <laughs> <laughs> I was just set. trying to say speak as confidently as right. possible, and then you know, once I got to my room, I was like, okay, these guys now know where my room is. Yeah. So yeah. packed up my stuff, left the hotel. Okay. I was like, I am leaving this right, situation right, now right. because I don't know what's going on. Right. I just had a group of five guys follow me to my hotel room. Right. Jeez. Um. But yeah, that was. I mean, it didn't matter. It's not like I was staying at the hotel. For right. The night. Right. I had it only for a couple of hours, so I could get there, change, and go to the set, and that was it. Um. Mm. 
But it's like situations like that. I mean, they didn't even see me on stage mm. and guys take that liberty. So when I'm off stage, mm. there are plenty of guys that have come up to me and been very aggressive right. with quoting my act or like mm. trying to get in that way. And right. I'm, I'm usually very nice about it. Right. Well, just, yeah. Like I said, diffusing the situation. But you do find that that happens. Like mm. as a female in the business, you know, just like guys get approached. Right. I know you. I've seen guys get approached by comedy groupies. Mm-hmm. And, you know... I see how aggressive they are. Now, and those defi- are women. you know, define that because people always ask, like, well, here's, I, I don't like when people come up after show. I, I, well, let me let me rephrase that. I oh, I appreciate any and everyone that comes up after yeah. show to give you dab because I because I always feel love, like yeah. you, yo, you had a million other things you could do, so you taking a moment out of your time. To wait in the line to say, hey, you know what, I, I enjoyed the show, I thought you were funny, I appreciate it. What bugs me is when it's prefaced with the, with the, uh, um, with the attachment of, you know, I ain't no groupie, but I just want you to know I thought you were funny. Because in my mind, I'm like, okay... Is that are you saying that because you're interested and now and you're saying that to save face in front of all these people? Because who I th- because what that's that's what's the, what that's doing is projecting their feelings about it on me as if I was saying, ah, ah we got groupie. Yeah. You know, and that so that that I I understand where it comes from, so I don't get it. But I usually would tell people, I'm like, no, I just uh, thanks, thank you for coming and yeah, and saying, did you enjoy the show? Yes, I said, well, that's that's cool, thank you. You know, I don't get that. I don't get the um, I'm not a groupie. What I get, well, because you're a woman. Yeah. So guys, I'll get I'll get more stuff that's more insulting. Like um, I don't usually like female comics. Yeah, you were good. (laughs) And I I get that a lot. And I'm like, thank you. Right, right. It's it's, It's a question again. Thank Thank you. you. I guess. Right. Um, so I don't get the groupy thing. Like I, I will say this. Like I think women, in terms of male comics, when they come up to you guys, are afraid of being labeled a groupie. Right. And, right. And maybe that is maybe they are trying to save face and right. be like, I don't want him to think I'm a groupie. No. Even though I totally am a groupie, <laughs> and I'm gonna do That's groupie funny. things. That's funny. <laughs> I just don't... I, I took a I went to a comedy show last week and she gave a, a blowjob seminar. So <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's like I'm just got like it's like those girls that you know. It was a term that I love that people use now is thought. Like you see all these thoughts that don't want to be called thoughts. Right, right. I'm like, but well, that you're a thought. But That's you are kind of what a you. Thought. You are. Did a you thought. know how long did it take you before you knew what a thought was? Like how many? How how long did you hear? I it? had to ask my friends. I must have. <laughs> I must have been hearing it for months, and I was like, "What is a thought?" Finally, right. I was like, "What is a thought?" Because you kind of it's implied, and so you're like, yeah. "Okay." I'm like, "All right, a thought." Hoochie, kind of like right, like, but girl like but that. then but, you learn the acronym. Yes. of these hoes out there. Yeah, like, or that hoe over that there, hoe like, there. Yeah. and it's like oh. I, I, uh, I think I saw. Uh, did I? I don't know if I googled it. I think Questlove posted something. It might have been Urban Dictionary, and he posted what it was, and he said, "So glad I finally know what this means." Damn, I'm old now, right? And I, as and I know me and thousands of other people read that, like, oh. 
that's oh, oh, that's what a that's what that's I what thought, thought would be. That's what um, I thought. Means that that yeah. hole over there makes okay. makes, makes sense. sense to okay. Okay, um, that hole over there. Uh, okay. That hole is is in fact over yonder. Yeah, um, <laughs> over yonder there is a hole. There and, is uh, there would be a hole. That's a hole right over there. <laughs> Right there, and she would never call herself a hook. Right, right. And I think that's the same mentality of right. like a girl that's trying not to be considered a comedy groupie. It's okay. Like, but you are, and that's right. fine. Groupie like doesn't. It's you are obviously into the comic, and mm-hmm. that's fine. You don't want to be labeled a groupie. That's cool. But then don't try to sleep with the comic. Like so, don't. what you say? So groupie is someone like a comedy groupie is someone that that goes to comedy shows often. With with the intention to bed a comic, or yeah, or like has that kind of infatuation where if it did happen, right. awesome. Like I, there was I, when I did the Montreal Comedy Festival, there was a girl, mm-hmm. and I don't know who she was, mm-hmm. but I saw her at every comedy show. And oh she wow! Came out with every male comic. Oh wow! I mean, it and it was this girl to the point where I won't say any names. Did she there, look fatty? She looked a little bit thought thoughtacious. Like but she was like a white thought. So she okay. was like she wasn't an ethnic thought, so she was like thought for like a white chick. Okay. But like she was to the point where there was a comic on my stage. I gotta name. know what's the what, <laughs> what, what how would you no no, I I gotta know how would you define a white thought versus say oh. a, a black or Latina thought or even I feel like um okay. Like, black or Latina thoughts, to me, are very, like, loud. Like, okay. almost obnoxiously loud, attention-getting okay. kind okay. of, like... Okay, That's the kind of thought that you would experience coming from the hood. Okay. Now, like, this was, like, a white girl proper thought. So, it was, like... <laughs> white girl proper thought. <laughs> she was, like, not out there and ghetto and trashy. Uh-huh. But it was, like, girl, chill. It right. was, like, you stop sweating all these dudes. Oh, okay. Like, she was thirsty. It was, like, uh, this, like... I was, she was like, a thirsty thought. She was a thirsty thought okay. and I'm like just turn the dial down a notch because you dress nice you look pretty you right. look classy right you'll you'll get you some. get somebody it's gonna happen but right. it was to the point where there was a comic that that whole week that we were in Montreal wanted to hook up with somebody so bad mm-hmm. so I grabbed him and I go what about that girl man she she obviously and he oh, said did you no really? oh, <laughs> he said I would never <laughs> Has been over everybody, and that's how thirsty this chick was. That the the guy that wanted it that's funny said no. That's funny. Wow. So like, he ah. so he recognized that that he recognized her from the week and yes. was like, you know what? Nope, I'm as good. horny as I am, yeah. I'm gonna tap out on that yeah. on that one. Because wow. she was so thirsty. She was too thotty. So so. Um, the protocol for any thoughts <laughs> that are listening um, out there is don't don't let the thirst overwhelm you, <laughs> the thirst or you, you will not be able to feed the thoughtage. <laughs> you <will> not... <laughs> your thoughtage will be all for naught. Your thoughtage will be all for naught. <laughs> so we, we, since we since we're talking about the the things that you experience as a female comic, when you know we. Normally, this I, what I think about this is it was I, you, y'all know I really am not into the term. It, this was very organic. But how did you? I like the fact that we didn't start off. So how? Where are you? Where are you from? Where did you start? But mm-hmm. you're from. You're obviously from the BX, and Maybe. I say obviously because um, I said early on that this was two weeks in a row we having a, a BX uh, a BX Latin theme um, from the Bronx. Where? When did you first know that you were funny? Versus when? 
did you decide you were going to pursue this? Especially now that myself and the fam listening know that you have a sort of social anxiety. Mm. You know, when, when did you first realize you were funny? I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And I was in a group, I was in the drama club. In okay, high okay. And so we were sitting outside in front of a theater and we were all bored. And I knew what stand-up comedy was. I had seen Brett Butler at 14 years old, and I fell in love with stand-up comedy. You saw her live or you saw, saw her on TV? I saw her on TV. I okay. saw one of her uh, Showtime specials. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's it. That's what yeah. I want to do. Okay. Don't really know what it is. Don't right. know how to do it, but I'm going to figure it out. Right. So I became a student of comedy at like 14. Oh, okay. I loved it. And so, and I also always loved making people laugh. Ever since I was a kid, I could never see anybody upset. I always wanted to make them laugh. Okay. So this one day, we're sitting in front of the theater, Lehman High School, where I went, mm-hmm. BX. Yes. BX. Yes, what and, um, uh, I grabbed this hairbrush, this crusty hairbrush as a microphone and started doing stand-up comedy for all of my really? friends that we were just waiting outside. Yeah, and I was just... And it was like stupid stuff. You're like, did you see what Mr. Fine did in like sixth period? <laughs> <laughs> like it's dumb stuff that they uh-huh. knew about. And so then I was like, I could do this. Like I remember at that moment going like, I could totally, I could do this. Oh, that's dope. And, and so after that, I think it was the day of my high school graduation, my mother entered me and my twin sister into... um. A comedy contest that's really? in New York. Really? Wait, hold up. Whoa. So, so, did did your mom know that you at age fourteen said, you know what, I want to do that, and this something? She I knew do? I was obsessed with being a performer. She knew I okay. was. Uh, I I, she would always tell me she was like, you're gonna be on TV someday. Okay. Always okay. Me. And so, me and my sister did it. Um, I'm sorry. I apologize for the. I just pictured. Have you ever seen Theobald? He has this. He has this joke about uh, a Latin mother. Someone's kid gets killed in in the hood, and she's like, oh, I just yes. need. So oh I just pictured God. your mom with grocery <laughs> beans. You're going to be. I can see. You're going to be on TV one day. Gina, please. Is going to, I'm sorry. <laughs> it just popped in my that is, That's not at all what my mom. Was I know. I'm sure. That's I why I'm why. laughing. I get why you would see that. And I do remember that bit. Oh, that's funny. Okay, uh, good. I'm but sorry. I did, did the show, and I think my first, the first time I was ever on stage was for at Stand Up New York. And the uh, funniest person from the Bronx was the contest. Are you kidding me? And wow. I did. Uh, I think it was like five to seven minutes, and I wasn't nervous. I went up on stage. I did it. Now, do, I'm sorry. Do you have? When when does she tell you she's entered you both into this contest? The day of our graduation. And when is the contest from? from that night. Are you kidding me? So hold up. So <laughs> so you had to formulate five to seven minutes. Yeah, like I already had for that like a, a, like kind of like a stand up act ish type and, thing. And does she know this? Um, I, I don't know if my mom knew this at this point, but she was like, "Hey, I just entered you in this contest." Um, and this is. What I remember of the story, she may have told us like a day or two before or something mm-hmm. like that, or she may have told us beforehand, but I just remember, for some reason, I remember it being like so immediate that right. we were in this contest and then we were graduating, but I did have like a set. I had like some kind of set. She okay. must have told us beforehand because I did have an idea okay. of what I was going to do, and I wasn't nervous at all, Right. Um. but then when, when we got the call back to go back because it was the second part of the contest, oh. I bombed so horrifically. Oh, really? It was the most painful bombing ever. So the first time you, you actually... I had a good set. You had a good set. Okay. And um, me and my sister both won third place. 
And then we went back to do the finals. So you and your sister were like Venus and Serena. Yeah, we were like and your the mom was like was like R- Richard Williams. <laughs> <laughs> she ushered us in to this Yo, world. that's that's, that's um, interesting. My sister ended up becoming a personal trainer, which she's okay. amazing at. She's okay, just amazing. I just fell in love with comedy and just I never wanted to stop. You know? Th- that's dope. That so you you obviously your family's been hella supportive from yes. day one. That the parents that's... told me that they were like you know you can do whatever you want as long as they said as long as you go to college you can do whatever you want. Okay, Just have a plan B. So okay, I got a scholarship to college. I went to Marymount Manhattan College. Got okay. a degree in English. Okay, that I did nothing with. Right, no, no one ever does with English. It's, it's a great degree. I, I speak it. Yes. Worked. Right. Which everybody always when they find out how horribly dyslexic I am they were like well. Like, how did you make it through being an English major? And I was like, it's, I, first of all, thank you, spell check. Second of (laughs) all, um, a lot of it was more creative on the creative side. So Mm -hmm. I had a little more liberty and a little more freedom to get, and you, you know, anybody who has dyslexia knows this, you, you compensate. You just like, So you are, you, you've been clinically diagnosed? Not clinically diagnosed. Okay. My cousin was clinically diagnosed Mm -hmm. and I remember us having a conversation where I was like, oh yeah, I do this and this and and we would talk about the things and the difficulties I had learning and I've actually discussed it with my therapist and he was like, yeah, you definitely had like a learning disability just because I have trouble with, um, like for instance, the word the, when I say it, uh-huh. I know how it's spelled. Okay. But in my head, I see H T E every time I say the word the. It's oh wow! Really? Every oh, time I say it, and the only like there are other little things like the only way I can remember how to write a lowercase d is to think of the word and every time. If I want to write a lowercase d, I have to think of the word and or it's not happening. Really? Wow. And um. I'm learning so much <laughs> I know. today. I get letters and and numbers backwards. Does, does B throw you? Yes. Like do when you see a B, do you see a, a uh, do you, when you see a small a capital B, do you see thirteen sometimes? I it looks backwards to me, like really? a, a capital B, and my last name is with a B. Right. So every time I write it, I'm like, Ugh. oh wow. Like, wow! I but it's it. There are so many little things, and I went online and I took a bunch of tests online. Mm-hmm. Um, and like every test I was taking was like, yes, you're dyslexic. Yes, really? like every test was like, just yes. And it's like, you know, you know, all the, um, like I don't, with long emails, and I always tell people this, like this is something, it's a kind of a running joke with mm-hmm. my management team where I'm like, I really got to start reading emails um, because they send long emails and I can't handle long emails. Oh, really? It literally becomes just letters. Just bl- okay. And just, I can't, I can't decipher. So in order to read it, I have to break it down into paragraphs and oh. like read paragraph by paragraph and then go slow and read everything and then... Even doing that for me to retain that information, I'll have to go back and do it again. Right. Oh, wow. so repetition wow. and all that stuff has has helped a lot. But I mean, that's something that I want to talk about on stage too because I did it once. I talked about it at a college once, and mm-hmm. there were a couple of students there that were like, "Oh, I have dyslexia and blah right. blah blah." And like we, yeah, and that's something unique stuff. that everybody. If you see someone doing that joke, you're like. Kinda think you got that. <laughs> I think me. that might be mine. Right, right. But that's also another thing. Like if I bought this up to if it wasn't for me going online and taking tests and talking to my therapist, mm-hmm. I think if I bought this up to my parents, I'd be like, Ah, you're not this. Right, yeah. Like, you're well, not. We came up during an era where where you just going back to the therapy, you just you dealt with it. And yeah. they're like, you know what it's it's not it's not you don't have something, you just need to 
suck it up and figure it out. Yeah, you like know? the whole time I remember being in middle school and being like, why don't I understand any right, of this? Right. Why am I struggling with this? Right. And it was just get it together. Like mm-hmm. that, just that idea is just pounded into you. Like right. get it together mm-hmm. and just learn to pay right. attention. Right, focus. right. You, you, it, it was always, did you get this a lot? Uh, Gina has, has the potential to do better yes. but spends too much time daydreaming. Yeah, or like, yeah, or has issues focusing. Like yeah. it's so funny because I have a joke that I'm working on now about like you can see when I'm concentrating mm-hmm. like you can literally like your if, brow my brow li- like it's like Gina's really trying to pay attention right. like it's like I, I I was always good uh I learned early on and this has, this actually served me as as a performer I learned early on that if you make eye contact <laughs> if you make eye contact people really think you're paying more attention. Yes. Which is funny because when I when now when I have conversations with friends, I remember Marina, for instance, saying like years ago when we first first got cool, I remember Marina saying, "Look at me, I'm talking to you. Look," and I was like, "No, I'm." Li-. I was like, "I'm listening. I'm always my mind is always going, so I'm yes. paying attention to who's coming in the door." I'm That's a attention. big problem with me too. Like people, because when I'm when I'm listening to somebody, I, if I'm really retaining what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking at you. Right, right. If I'm looking at you, I'm forcing myself to right, try to concentrate right. on what you're saying. But if I'm listening, like I'll be looking away, especially if I'm trying to listen to somebody. Right. I'll be looking away at something else and I'm like, okay, cool. Right, got it. Right, right. But people don't think you're listening. It's like, yeah. no, I'm listening yeah. more now yeah. than if I was looking at you. Yeah, because my, my teachers, I, I would I would look them dead in their face. Yeah. I don't know what the hell is in But I was like, here, at least they'll, they'll say I was paying attention. Yeah. And I think that, that, that became, uh, um, that was reactionary to people saying I, I was daydreaming. So yeah. I was like, you know, like, no, if, I'm, I'm if I'm looking off. They think I'm not paying attention. So I was like, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow the teacher everywhere they go to class. But that makes it the... so worse because then I feel like what your brain is doing is it's going, I'm concentrating, I'm concentrating, right. I'm concentrating. But you're not you're because not. it's constantly repeating, I'm concentrating. <laughs> yeah, it's like, right. no, I'm not. I'm not concentrating right. at, all. at all. Right. I, I retained nothing that you said. Nathan that was said <laughs> it, uh, stuck with me. Yeah. And that's, um, I, it's very, it's interesting to find out and to go back and look at all the things I did to compensate. And so I could get through college and right. so I could get, you know, through a lot of other things. Right. And, um, you know, it's interesting to look back at it and be like, holy cow. Like even my writing process, I did another podcast where we talked about, you know, the writing process mm-hmm. and everything. And I said, if you look at my notebooks, mm-hmm. they're so confusing because mm-hmm. it's like, I'll write a little star and a blurb mm-hmm. and then you'll see an arrow going to another thing that's down here because oh, I had I sev- between here and here several thoughts happened mm-hmm. and then this thought right here had to, I had to go back to the original right. one so there's arrows leading to this and little lines and like little things because and that's how clouded my brain mm-hmm. is when it's working everything out and it's like right. I have to sort this out later right. so let me just log this all down right. in whatever way possible and so you look at my notebook looks probably insane to so many my book, people. My book's just... My book's just... I, because I used to draw a lot of graffiti. Yeah. Like, my joints... Um, look, just... You they, you can't really read it. You know? Like oh, yeah. Just, my, it's still better than my <laughs> yeah, handwriting. It let, my, like, my, 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 mine looks, like, neatly chaotic. Yeah, this is, like... 
Like a good example is something like oh, this. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, okay, this happened here. Right. And then I had to, this was like a list. <laughs> I it's, love, I'm sorry. Can you mind if I say? No, no, go ahead. Hold up. I'm re- this, this, is, this is a first on, on this show. I, you, y'all have never gotten to see the, the in-depth <laughs> uh, uh, specifics of a comics uh, joke book. So let, I see New Love, uh-huh. Arrow to Horror Movies to... That one scene, yes. me in the shower, Jessica Simpson, Megan Fox, Fox, Angelina Jolie, uh, morning person, yes. and then this one popped out, dating white guys, <laughs> and above that is Forever 21. <laughs> <laughs> like all this stuff, this and this is how jumbled, and right. this is how my writing just looks, and it's like, people see this, like there's right. another arrow, and like it's it, really all weird. It's scribble and circles and like. But that you know, it's funny. That's how anytime you see someone's uh, comedy special and they show their notes, I I've always felt like if I do that, people are gonna say, "Well, that just looks it looks too neat." Because you usually see cross outs, and I've just always been very anal. Where I'm like, even even when like when I cross things out, I uh I you know that's the paranoia. I don't know why, but when I cross things out, I cross them so there's no way you, you can, can read ever it. read. So. <laughs> So I go horizontally, left to right. Then I go right to left. Then I go vertical. Oh, wow. Then I go diagonal from the uh, upper right. Then diagonal to the upper left. Just because I'm like, I don't want anybody. Because these these are my my logs. These are, these are my babies. And so I don't want you to know so what my errors were. great, I think, that you also still write in a notebook. You know what? I be, Well, here's the thing. Because, but if, do you notice that, that it's the same? Yes. This book is from, this is from 2001, right? This is, this, um, cause I'm writing something from, uh, from my SNL years. Yeah. I just, uh, uh, yesterday the bipolar Byron sketch was, was located, uh, where else, but in, uh, Max Brooks's comedy ghetto, <laughs> meaning I wrote a sketch and out of the 40 or so sketches that were written um, and went to the table read. We used to call we used to call Dean and Max's comedy ghetto the last three or three to five sketches because no one paid attention to those last sketches. So that that was just that was in that was uh, that was the beginning of two thousand two two thousand two. I I wrote a sketch that look it says. Look, we went number thirty-two out of thirty-five. Mm-hmm. Geez, so that. But I've always I, I like the five-star means, and this is this is my current book. Saying I just yeah. uh, I was like, all right, you know what? I'm gonna at least have some. People semblance. get me books all the time, like uh-huh. to write in, and yeah. I love it. Yeah. Oh, so, oh, so and you use them? I use them. I never. I have so many books that I've passed I along to, to the kids. I love them because I just like. They're all of di- different styles, yeah. and it is true that you get like this is kind of my signature style of book, which is like just a little right. medium sized binder right. that I can just like a little medium sized like little notebook where I can just write in here. This is like my style, but right. I get so many different ones. Right. That um, one of them that I recently got for my birthday, um, somebody got me uh, one of the my brother's coworkers got me a book that says Gina on it, and it's the first time. That, oh, that's kind of that. Good my name is on the book mm-hmm. and I'm like, I like it. I haven't used it yet. I was going to say, you get something like that. Are you like, I can't wait to get through this yeah, book so I can yeah. now use I'm like, the one I'm with so my name I'm so excited because it was like, I did a corporate gig too for, um, what was it? Uh, Nestle. And they mm-hmm. got me like a little gift bag and in there was a book and mm-hmm. it was like, 
a really nice like book to write in and I was like I can't wait like I'm trying to organize which right. book I'm gonna use next because it's like I still like writing in a notebook mm-hmm. even though my handwriting is completely illegible right. sometimes even to me it's just done but I still like writing in a book right versus because people are like well since your handwriting's so bad why don't you just type it and I'm like mm-hmm. it's just not nah longhand I, 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 A it There's sticks a, in your memory yes. more there's a connection to it I actually have a uh, because I I now use uh what's it called Evernote on on my okay. phone. You ever use this I app? Use, like, I use a voice recorder. on Okay, my phone. I use my voice recorder, but then I also like when I have uh have a quick idea yes. that I know is gonna take me longer to write down because I swipe on on the phone. So I'm like, all right, boom. like yesterday. Um, Men are creeps, and and I just wrote all this yeah, yeah. while I was like, on while um, I was on this uh, elliptical machine. I, see, that's when like uh, I'll do it. I I find the voice thing is so much easier for mm-hmm. me because even while I'm trying to type, my thoughts are going are, way faster. Yeah, and they're disappearing. You're always like afraid have, you're like, going to lose cake. something. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have one called cake, one called buffet aftermath. <laughs> you were hungry. <laughs> <laughs> one called maybe I suck. <laughs> and realizing your relationship suck, dirty talk, uh, like Russian accent. Oh, yeah, that everything sounds scary in a Russian that, accent. That's funny. I think... Um, Somebody and said something. It was somebody on the ship that had uh-huh. said something to me, and they had a very thick, like Russian they kind of sounding. Something that... And it was, I was like, Ugh! it doesn't matter what you say; it's very frightening. Right. That's Superpower. Mm-hmm. That's the bit about dyslexia. Oh, okay. Where, um, okay. I'm trying to talk about how I feel like it's more of a superpower okay. because I can change words and numbers in my mind. Right. Like that's right. magic. And plus, that's a good way to make it. Yeah. Where it's not, it's not, it's it's not uh, a hindrance. Yeah. You know? Or it's it's not a disability. You know? Where it's like, oh, no, I'm magic. You know, somewhere along the line, you might think some someone might have said that Superman. Well, you're weird. You you have that's not that's not uh, healthy to have yeah. lasers come out of your eyes. That's a tumor. <laughs> yeah. You're probably <laughs> dying. You're dying. Yeah. That's you're a, probably really a, strong because you're dying. From it was something. an episode of Family Guy. With uh, they cut to oh, oh Popeye. Was no. it Popeye? Wait, where was it? Popeye was uh, Popeye was on one of them where he's like sitting at a doctor's office and he keeps doing his little Popeye like laugh or whatever. Yeah, like yeah, those are your arms are actually those are tumors. They're like telling Popeye he's dying. That's they did that with Rudolph where they cut to him. He's sitting. He said he's like he's like oh like uh. He's like, uh, your nose is actually, a, it's, a, it's a malignant tumor. He's like, oh, like pixie dust, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, oh my God, that's so freaking funny. Yeah. But that's like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, there's people probably, you know, superheroes would be told stuff like right. that. Like, someone's like, I just wanted to change the view because I had tweeted something about dyslexia like earlier in the week. And I was like, I got to make this into a bit right. about like... Because people were like retweeting and like they oh, were okay. like commenting on it, and I right. was like, "Oh, it's cool." Right. And so I was like, "I gotta do something with it right. to talk right. more." Because as a comic, you know, you're always kind of evolving and getting more yeah. comfortable with what you talk about on stage. Right. Yeah. And um, I remember watching um, a clip of Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. and George Carlin's Wake. Which, by the way, huge Carlin fan myself. I'm okay. so. I mean, one of the reasons I start I started comedy. After I'd seen Brett Butler, I discovered George Carlin and became this huge Carlin mm-hmm. fan to the point where now, and Sean from Gotham just mm-hmm. noticed this recently, mm-hmm. whenever I walk in Gotham, mm-hmm. I will greet 
George really? Carlin's picture, and when I leave, I will say goodbye. Oh wow! And I just I've done oh, it. That's, that's dope. Ever since I've ever since I you know I they've been at that location. Uh-huh. I've seen Carlin's the picture, picture up, up in the hall. Yeah. Um, but uh, Louis was at Carlin's wake, and he's talking about the writing process, and he talks about you know watching Carlin in an interview, talking about all his HBO specials, mm-hmm. and you know people asking like, how did you prepare for them? And you know Carlin saying I just I would just do the hour and then that hour is done it's trash and I start from scratch like I would just throw everything away and start again and um, we start talking about well that process you have to keep digging yeah. You know, what you what starts off as pretty general stuff that, you know, you talk about a surface level things, mm-hmm. then you kind of dig deeper mm-hmm. and you start talking about like things that you're afraid of, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then you dig even deeper and mm-hmm. you just dig so deep you eventually get to like weird stuff yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, if you've seen Louis's last special, mm-hmm. which was at the comedy store, you can like tell that there's oh, no, a digging, I didn't see that one. Okay. Yeah, there's like a digging process and you're going... Um, oh my god, like he's really like if you've seen that description right. and then you watch his specials, mm-hmm. like I can I still love comedy and I can do back to back comedy marathons of different mm-hmm. people. Oh you know. yeah. That but th- that to me that's important in, in anything you choose to do. You got You started as a history. fan. Yeah. You started as a fan. I never I never understand when I when I when comics sort of stop They'll they'll watch they'll watch the popular they'll watch like a, a Billy Burr they'll watch Louis um, they'll they they'll, they'll watch, watch a, a they Z's don't know the history. but they won't do the history and go back like I still like I will before I like if I'm when I'm on the road I can I can just put on I'll just say you know what I miss Patrice I'll type in Patrice's name. It'll yes. show the last things that I watched that or listened to with him, and then it'll just say Opie and Anthony, Patrice, and I'm like, you know, I just want to. Because... Yeah, I mean, you've got to be a student of comedy. Yeah. Like, I listened to everybody from. I mean, I was a, definitely a Carlin head. Like, mm-hmm. love listening, but I listened to Pryor. Uh-huh. I listened to George Burns. Okay. I listened to uh, Lenny Bruce. Mm-hmm. Listened to Bill Hicks. All of them, because I was obsessed with learning about the world of comedy, and even and yes, before any, but people always like, well, how did you name any female comedy? I just I was about Lily to ask Tomlin, you. Okay. Brett Butler, mm-hmm. Margaret Cho, mm-hmm. Roseanne Barr, watched all of mm-hmm. them. Uh, Margaret Cho, Wendy Liebman. Wendy, Wendy was I remember seeing Wendy Liebman on uh, on America's Got Talent, and I was mad because I was like. Yo, did you ever see her half hour? Yeah, on HBO was fire. Beast. Yeah, man, Wendy Liebman uh, was 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 dope. And Margaret Cho's first HBO, the half hour, where she was wearing the the black leather. Okay, um, so her first, I'll tell you something that was brilliant about Margaret Cho. Her mm-hmm. first special mm-hmm. called "I'm the One That I Want" mm-hmm. was filmed, I guess, shortly after her show was taken off the air. Uh huh. What was her uh, show? America, uh, all American, all American Girl. Girl. Yeah. I used to watch All American Girl, and I loved that show. Because I did too. I she remember. Was different. Yeah. yeah. And, and I remember thinking this while watching her. I was like, "She's different, and she's on TV. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm different. I could be on TV right. too." Then. Right. And it was a thing that I remember having right. that moment. And um, I remember this. My favorite moment from that special is she's talking about being at a press conference mm-hmm. for her show, All American Girl. I know, I know exactly. You what You know the bit know, because it's brilliant. Yeah, it is where she's like, you know, this reporter asks her, you know, you know, is it true? Um, 
that you had to lose weight to play yourself right. on your sitcom. Right. <laughs> and and that, she says at that moment, she just goes, I was so hungry because she had been starving herself that whole time. Right. And it just hit her how ridiculous right. the whole thing was. But the, it was so true. Yeah. And she tells another story about the first time she was seen on camera, how her agent called her and was like, don't ever wear a mini skirt on camera again. Right. And it was like, Oh, like, oh, yeah. Lord. Body blow, right. But, um, I mean, just talking about Margaret Cho specials, like, I've seen that one. I've seen the one where she's leather clad and mm-hmm. talks about, um, I think, <laughs> I don't remember if it was in that special or she talks about I shaving her legs uh-huh. and realizing her thighs were getting smaller and what a victory <laughs> that was for her. I just... But, I remember, um, Modern! Oh, yes. Modern! Talking about her her mom yelling. I think the special that you're talking about was the first one where she talked about being into women. No, no, no. That this one, she was. This one was. I the reason I remember it was because they shot. Who else did they shot somebody else around the same time? Because they were all there was another woman. I think simply marvelous. This had to be early Uh nineties. And there was, I, I want to say, it was a, I, I'll never forget, it was it was a black leather yes. outfit because I was like, I remember saying, you don't have the booty to fill that in ah. properly. And so it, 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 it kind of deflated yeah, in deflated. the back. It yeah. Was, yeah, no, I know and, exactly and, and, the outfit. And the director about. was not kind because I was like, why, why are you shooting her from that angle? Yeah, no, that's not that's nice. Not, that's not that's nice. That's not nice. Don't do that. Yeah. But I, th- I, th- I, I, I always dug. Uh, the notorious CHO. Uh, yes, she she yes. actually, I was a. I I think I have the picture in my phone. She started following me on Twitter, um, within the last couple of months. And for me, I was like, yo, that's dope. Cause I remember I was I had been maybe two years in. Uh, it's like ninety three, ninety four. Uh-huh. And and I remember saying, yo, she's funny. And I've never been the type that that gets caught up in 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 gender. Yeah. Um, no. Funny is funny. Funny is so funny. Like funny. Funny. I saw Wendy Cummings for the first time recently, and I had never really watched her stuff. I had seen her comedy special on Netflix, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, she's solid." Right. But then I the saw money her. Shot. Money yeah. shot. Yeah. But then I saw her just yeah, working Whitney. stuff out, and I was like, "She's a beast." But and you know why I dig Whitney? Because we were just clowning. We we spoke about this earlier this yeah. week. Whitney, it, it's 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 unapologetic, but from from day one, we first we met doing uh, the Golden Trailer Awards in like nine in in two thousand seven maybe in Manhattan, and I think she had just done it was a uh, Patrick Dempsey. It was a romantic comedy, and she played a best friend in the wedding party, yeah. and. Um, and I remember I was she laid me out that night because she was just she just she was just in the dirt with with uh, I think it might have been me and Todd Lynn and like Billy and Rich Voss and and she she was giving it as well as as taking it from us you know and and ever since then I always said you know what I just like she doesn't go on and rely on I'm a woman but I'm cute but I'm gonna be dirty yeah she's just she's funny that style that we she's were just, talking yeah, about yeah she's just funny she's just She's damn funny yeah, and working man. stuff out. And I also recently, what was it, a couple of months ago, bumped into Janine Garofalo mm-hmm. at... Um, Eastville? I know no, she's been... No, she was at Gotham, which okay. is weird because a lot of times she's at more of the, like, alty type mm-hmm. rooms. And mm-hmm. her comedy has changed some and, you know, and it's very different from, you know, 
what I what initially made me a fan. Okay. She's she's more political now. Yeah. Which I you know that's a comics choice. You know right. you make your choices in material, but I mean there's still a level of you know that comic that I fell in love with when mm-hmm. I watched Janine Garofalo for the first time. It was her HBO special mm-hmm. where she had a pad. Had yeah, the pad, yeah. And she was and I said, who was this girl right. doing her special right. with a a pad and right. a paper right there? And I remember the bit about the Stairmaster where she she said Stairmaster time is the longest time ever. Like mm-hmm. it's not a realistic. Like it is like if you were in hell, hell is being on a Stairmaster right. <laughs> because the time is the slowest time in the world. Right. And I remember that bit. And um, there's always like a standout bit from right. so right. many comics that I remember. There's that Margaret Cho bit. There's that bit from. Um, Janine Garofalo, there's Kathleen Madigan's evolution bit that she doesn't do anymore because so many people tried to steal it from her. Mm, but some. she had a brilliant bit on evolution and how, like, if you believe in evolution, there's got to be one one guy that hasn't evolved yet. Mm-hmm. Like, there's one dude that's just almost evolved right, right. at the cusp. Right, yeah. And, you know, that. some girl has to bring that person home right. to her family <laughs> and has to do the speech of like he might throw poop at you right. like he might that's not it's not a, and she has and her voice her is voice funny. her delivery yeah. is is on point to Madigan is, is on like, she doesn't she doesn't get her 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 um in my opinion and there's certain there's certain comics but specifically in this case female comics that don't get their just do I don't think yeah. people remember People will not go when when they do their lists yeah. of the you know the the uh, uh, Comedy Central or whomever presents the greatest stand up. They're gonna present whoever the hot yeah, hot comics course. are. Oh. Who the hot hot meaning not looks but just who's no one's gonna got be who's right got now. that. It's gonna be the Bo Burnhams right. and the like you know and and this is not to knock anybody but it's it's the people who are hot now. It's right. gonna, it's not gonna be. The pillars that have been like to this day, Kathleen Madigan get on stage and blow so many people out of the yeah, water. Man. She's just, yeah. she's on I just point. saw her 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 Comedy Central presents, which had to be from the late nineties, and and you still laugh. And, and I well, my my DVR is set to record just all of them, but I I erase most of them. I don't watch most of yeah. most of them, but. Hers, I was like, oh, I caught, I caught a, a gem in there, and I, I remember I was, I was supposed to, uh, take a shower and and get dressed, and I just sat down on the edge of my bed. Cause I, was I was watching like, her last one last night, the last one that's on. Um, uh-huh. She had out Kathleen Madigan again, again, yeah, again, again. right, um, and it's just funny yeah, stuff, man. man. Her style, and the thing is, like, she's. She stayed the same stylistically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just as strong with, you know, just her material has obviously changed with the times, but that that pr- approach she's always had, mm-hmm. just spot on for right. so many things. Right. And she's likable, and she's funny, mm-hmm. and she's goofy, but she's smart. Yeah. So many great elements to that. And when you're, I feel like I meet too many comedians mm-hmm. who aren't students of comedy that couldn't look and, and break stuff down like that. Like, when I see guys... That are coming like, when you look at what's hot. Yeah, and they'll say, oh, "Okay, well, here." Like a couple of years ago, everyone was doing a tell. Yeah. Everyone was was on the the tell train. And you look at people like okay, and again, not to knock anybody, right. but the first time I saw I saw Bo Burnham, mm-hmm. I was like, I like it, I get mm-hmm. it, he's smart, but I liked it better when Stephen Lynch did it mm-hmm. with the guitar. Mm-hmm. I liked it better. Like I, at least there was a sincerity. I feel like with. 
with um and I could be totally wrong mm-hmm. and you know I, I've I've watched again. I'm not saying he's not funny. He's mm-hmm. a funny dude, but when I watched that first special, mm-hmm. um, it just seemed laced with so much arrogance. And I guess that's a thing now. Yeah, the, uh, you know what? Because um, I I did Bo was actually a really nice dude. I I, no, I, I did a couple I've of heard shows the with same him. Same thing from so many real, people. Real real nice, real giving, generous. But that dude. first special that I watched. It was like, you're really, really brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it came off smarmy. Yeah. Too. It didn't yeah. come off like when you watch guys like Stephen Lynch who used to do it. There was this jokey, almost like, um, why am I blanking on his name? The guy, it's very, it's very like kind of frat boyish, kind of like mm-hmm. jokey. And you're kind of like, all right, cool. Like I would right. laugh at it because it was silly and goofy right. and smart. Right. But when I was watching Bo Burnham, and I had to watch him because everybody was talking about mm-hmm. him. So I watched him, and I was like, okay, I get it, but I'm I'm bothered by how arrogant you're coming yeah. across. That's that's how a lot of people felt with... Uh, and it's funny because Tosh, even though Tosh... That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, okay. Thank you, Tosh. Tosh, well, here's, here's what's funny. Tosh, it can't... There, there's a... There's a arrogance to it but it still is tongue-in-cheek yes right versus say an anthony jeselnik yeah yeah that when i watched jeselnik and i remember watching him on a couple of roasts when, when patrice laid into jeselnik at uh at the roast of charlie sheen i was i was so happy I was, a i was proud because that's my man yeah because he because he was speaking what a lot of cats that have been out there like, who are you? You're a feature. We don't, who are you? Right. Mm-hmm. But then on the flip side, you were, you were more, you, you, you were cheering more because it was like leg swooping that whole, I'm smarmy. And if you don't get it, it's your fault. It's not oh, me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what, the uh, arrogance of I'm so much smarter than the audience. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I've, I've it's not hard for me to, to get to now. I, but I I will say this I can appreciate good comedy even if it's yeah, not my yeah. my taste. Yeah. I can look at a lot of what Bo Burnham does mm-hmm. and be like, that is really brilliant stuff. Right, right. That is really funny. That's right. really brilliant. Right. And even though it's not like I was never a huge Sam Kinison fan, mm-hmm. but I can watch his stuff and understand right. why it's funny. Right. Why it works. Right. And why his fans are so connected to who he is as a person, right. or who he was as a person. Um, but in the same thing with any comic I watch now, like I might not. There was literally one comic I remember having this conversation. Sometimes with alternative guys, it's like so hard because um, I'm so, I'm so into the mainstream comedy and comedy that makes sense to Well, me. you you like people that hit number one, I, I stand by this to me, the alternative to comedy is drama. Yes, right? yes. So But that that's exactly but, why just the idea of alternative comedy is someone like Janine Garofalo, if you had to use the term alternative, Janine Garofalo, yes. uh Patton Oswald, mm-hmm. uh Brian Posehn uh Brian Posehn probably you know, one of the strongest yeah. examples. Or Zach Galifianakis. Galifianakis. But they're still funny and there still are there are jokes in there. And you can understand why it's funny. Like I can even watch, you know, uh, guys guys like Zach Galifianakis and get why it's funny. But right. there was literally I was at a show and there was a guy on stage and he was like this alti type comic. And I was getting frustrated not only with what was going on but with myself because I was like, why don't I understand 
this. Now, were people responding yes. to Yes. Okay. And I'm like, I don't understand why they're laughing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm looking at it going, There's is there something? How come I'm not getting it? It Was, was it a hipster crowd? Because I, I, when I, I've, I've seen old comics and... Same thing. If you if you like, I'm easy too. If you if it's funny, yeah. funny is funny. I'm gonna laugh. Yeah. But if it's if it's if it's some esoteric here, it's this is interesting. I'm like, or like I'm just gonna get on stage and be socially awkward, and that's gonna be funny. Yeah, and I'm and gonna I'm, like, I'm gonna be edgy. I'm like, well, you know. And there's a difference. Can we just clarify for all the comics that may be listening? There is a difference between being an edgy comic and writing to sound edgy. Right. And the it's so evident. Right. When you are writing to sound edgy. Mm-hmm. So please, as a PSA, stop. Well, give them a give give a an example or or specify what's the difference? Would you say between writing edgy versus okay. writing something that's funny that happens to be edgy? Okay. Or attempting to to write edgy versus just. God, I mean, I'm, there's so many actual examples right. that I could give of people, but I don't want right. to. You don't have to. You don't have to bless someone, but. Um, I guess the best example that I could probably give is. David Tell mm-hmm. has the style that he has because that's who he is as a person. Right. He thinks that way. He acts that way. His life is that way. Right. Now, if you took David Tell's act and put it in Brian Regan's face. <laughs> that's a funny. That's hilarious. It's not going to make sense <laughs> because that's not who he is. Right. And what right. I will see is comics and this is so frustrating to me because uh-huh. I just want to grab them and shake it out of them. Right. And they'll be doing the Brian Regan type of comedy. And then suddenly they get get dark. And suddenly they get really dark and do something that's edgy. And they push that edgy stuff because they think that their peers will respect and that's, it that's, more. They have this manufactured angst. Yes. Yeah. And it's like I nobody believes it because a second ago you were smiling. You were you were hopping around and goofy. Yeah. yeah. Like Joe DeRosa is really you that know what? angry. Hold up. You know what's funny though? Here's what's funny. Cause I, I probably said it. I and the only reason I wasn't gonna say it is because I, I think I mentioned that before. I remember Joe doing while you were saying that, yeah. Joe's the one that popped in the mind and he, he is, but we years ago, this had to be a decade ago. We were at Caroline's. It was it was like I feel me, like I know this story. Me, but. Norton, Patrice, Todd, Lid, and maybe even Billy was there. And Joe goes on and he does that, and then he ends with this joke about chicken McNuggets. Give me my fucking McNuggets. And when he got on stage, we all were like, Joe, what? Why are you so mad at? At meat byproducts. Why are you angry? Like what? And and I remember I think someone said it that night. Like, stop with this manufactured angst. Yeah. If you're angry about something. Be angry, but don't don't be. <laughs> don't be rooftop rifle angry oh at stuff that doesn't require. That's that. Or like you'll find these people. I had a friend years ago who did who did comedy, and he would write. And I remember sometimes, and I remember having a conversation with Todd Lynn about this, where he would write and he would use all these words and it was like he was flipping through with the source as he was writing to sound. So he he saw uh, Dennis Miller one time and was like, I want to sound Yeah, I want to sound like that. Right, okay. And when I see that, 
that is probably the most disappointing form of comedy when I see yeah. somebody that's so disconnected from the material that right. they're doing. Right. Because you know what? I don't care if you're goofy and silly and funny right. or if you're a social commentator and you're right. funny or if you're political and you're funny. Funny is funny. Just let it be real. Right, right. Don't try to make it sound like, no, I'm this really edgy comic. Right. When what you really do is write really good cupcake jokes. Right. <laughs> and you write really great cupcake jokes. And that's fine. Right. Write your cupcake jokes and stop trying to write about, you know, you know uh, right. current events and sound like right. so edgy and this is what I right. need. Because right. nobody's buying it. Right. Then, you know, they, they, uh, the terrorists just... Uh, uh, ISIS just attacking you like yeah. word uh, just, do, just, do, do you, the cupcake you, thing do the fart thing yeah, do the, do the do thing it. it's funny and right. it's like I get you know evolution as a comedian that happens naturally and in his autobiography um, George Carlin talks about how his evolution happened on camera and you can see it if you mm. look at all of his specials and mm. you look at all the stuff he did you know in television from mm. the start of his career right he has this evolution where mm -hmm. he goes from clean cut George Carlin who does mm -hmm. these bits and do yes. the bunny bit and blah 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 right. and then he goes through the hippy dippy weatherman and then right. he goes through you know talking about you know America and all these different things and mm -hmm. then just keeps growing and growing right. and growing but it was a gradual and natural process right. Right. it's not something that happened overnight right. I had this discussion too like and it's it's and and the same is true when you deny who you are mm -hmm. and you try to wear a mask right. like Rosie O'Donnell Mm -hmm. who for years was this yeah, lovable, sweet, yeah. happy-go-lucky comic. And yeah. then the second she came out, when she came out of the closet, it was Ooh. like, oh, now you're angry flock of seagulls haircut. And now and now you're just angry argumentative on The View. Yeah. But, you know, if you go back, it's like watching two completely different I, I was, people. I ain't going to front. I, was a, I, I used to love uh, I, and Not that I don't uh, still have love for her. Um, but I, I remember Rosie on Star Search doing the Brady Bunch. Yes. Here is a story. Of a lovely lady, yes, you know? yeah, and and so when uh, when she had her daytime talk show, I used to I used to I record it. I watched yep. her join John John McDean the, the DLT. She would talk about how much she loved Tom Cruise. She loved Cruise. Tom Cruise. Everybody and, knew about right. it, like, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like when you deny who you are, and in any way whether you're trying to write to sound edgy or whether you've been putting on a facade for mm -hmm. so long and playing a character that you created mm -hmm. or maybe a part of your personality but right. not really letting that right. that show, right. um, you, you're denying so much mm -hmm. of that workspace right. that you have. Right. And you're, you know, you're really kind of closing yourself off. Right. And I see this with some of the people that, you know, and sometimes like um, I, I struggle with, telling people that I like telling people this when I see it because mm -hmm. like people have to want that information like friends of yours yeah or com com companions or right. you'll watch people and you'll see their process and as they're growing you're just kind of like but you're not really getting it right and you're you're still forcing right. so much or people that lie to themselves which is just you ever have somebody just walk off stage we all had that comic that walks off stage like I killed and, and it's like, like no no you didn't awesome. no no you, you painfully didn't right. that was right. you killed them right they were right. murdered by yeah. your bad comedy <laughs> i'm always just... amazed when people do that because i'm like J -j -j what audience did, were did we, you see? yeah were we watching the same right. set because i i'm like how what kind of level with well, the depth of lying to yourself that right. you have to go to to be like i just destroyed did you it's see like... that standing on... no they were leaving <laughs> <laughs> they, weren't, they, were, they, wasn't they were trying to leave. They were escaping. It's like that scene with Aziz in Funny People where mm -hmm. he like he gets off stage. He's like, I raped that audience. Right. And it's like, they, they, 
the really wasn't the reaction wasn't right like uh, at all. Yeah. Right, right, right. Or I think that scene was more played to the fact that he was this comic that was doing these easy jokes. Right. But it's like comics will walk off stage like that after having a mediocre to even bad right, set. Right. And just like the story we were talking about last night where it's like, I'll fix it in post. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> told, told told the story about uh doing a show in, in England and every other comic had a good set in the one comic. Um, that we're we're we know the name, but I'm not yes, saying it on this not, podcast. We're not putting it out there. Um, but this this comic, he he uh, he didn't have a good set. You know, I was there's no there's no he he had a bad he it it was it was oh. just silence and Ugh. nobody wanted to make con- eye contact with him when he came That's backstage. Like and it. he came and stood in the doorway, triumphant, smiling. And we all were like, wait, why is he smiling? He was like, yeah, they'll fix it in post. They'll fix it in post. I've done a million of these things um, where they, you know, I, because what, what I, what I, what it, there's always a lesson you can learn. And what it did reinforce to me was when you're taping, Freddie Rick said this to me years ago, man, anytime you do TV, keep in mind, this is recorded history. Yes. So always look. Even if you don't feel like it's going the way you want, always present that that yep. you're killing, because as this particular person said, they'll fix it in post. They will add the laughs later, yeah. and they did. And he and he probably looked like a a, a, hero. a comedy hero, you know. Um, Isn't that funny? But but that's but we that's when you work in the land of make believe. Yep, that's you work part in of it. the land so, of Oz. Moral of the story: Not all the comics you've seen kill on TV have actually killed on TV. Yeah, uh, they're just trying to convince you they're funny. Right? Yeah, um, yeah. They're, yeah. They're acting like they're acting like brilliant comics. You know, we we, we I, this has been a, a great episode. So you get on stage that first time. Uh-huh. When, like, do you immediately, after you do the contest, you said you bombed the second time, so neither you or your sister won the funniest person in the Bronx contest. At what point, now, does she continue with it along with you, or does she say, okay, I just... She did a few stand-up shows with me, but um, I couldn't stop. Okay. It was literally like, no, I need this. I right. was like, I am officially a stand-up comedian. Now. Okay, okay. I was like, this is... Af- even after I bombed that second time, right. and you know, I used to cry after every bad set. I'm mm-hmm. such a wuss. I used to cry. Like, I used to walk... I was 17, though. Yeah, so, like, I was going to say, A, you weren't a wuss because you you, you actually were conquering uh, a part of your, your yeah. social anxiety, um, and B, you were getting on stage, and, and that goes... What you just said... Is, is very important um, because I always tell people when people ask me when people you know people come up and like yeah I want to get on stage I always tell people man just get on stage yeah how should I just get on stage well I was thinking just get on stage because yeah. even if you even if I fortunately my first bunch of times on stage I was I I was killing yeah. right um, but. Then eventually, uh, I caught an L because the L.A. riots happened. and I tried talking about it, and I and I wasn't prepared yeah. to to uh, to conquer something that that big. Yeah. Um, but I always feel like you get on stage, even if you bomb, even if you tank, you know whether or not you want to get back on that stage again. Mm-hmm. It, 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 there's a calling there. 
And you say to yourself, you know what? I gotta figure. I gotta figure this out. I gotta figure out yeah. how to how to um, get on this. I'm the, look. The, the, my my daughter somehow her 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 thing is connected to mine. So the memory she has eaten up my memory, and it just With said something about pictures. yeah. I'm like, I don't need all these pictures of of you and, and Digby and whomever you know. <laughs> Whoever her friends are, you know, um, uh, but go ahead. Um, I mean, I would say, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like you just, you have to just get on stage. I mean, people have approached me and been like, well, you know, I've always wanted to do comedy and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And should I, and I, I just tell them stage time is the most important. I'm like, just get on stage as much as possible because, and I even tell people because people were like, should I do open mics? And I'm like, yes, but do it for the right reasons. If you're doing open mics, just know that it's not a true testament to whether your material is good or not. Mm-hmm. But what you will get at open mics is you will learn to be comfortable on that stage. Right. Especially in a, a silent room. Right. 90% of the open mics you're going to do are going to be just comics. Right. So they're all just waiting to get on stage. If you can make them laugh, that's great. But that mm-hmm. shouldn't be your goal. Right. Your goal should be get up on stage, get as comfortable in that room. Oh, cute. Uh, as you possibly can and mm-hmm. be comfortable controlling a room full of people and feeling out the room. And the most important thing is that you have to have such authority on that stage. Right, right. Just in case it doesn't go your way. Right. You have to be able to be in control and maintain that control. And once you learn to conquer that and get used to it, you know, then you have other experiences where you go do bar shows and realize nobody lis- listens to you. Right. Or you perform at a banquet right. or, you know... You do a regular comedy club, and I had one guy. There was one time this guy just stood up in this in comedy club and started heckling me. Like this huge dude just stood up mm-hmm. and started yelling stuff at me, and Ed, the audience was just silent. And you're mm-hmm. gonna have moments like that, and I wasn't prepared to deal with that at that point. Right. But at this point now, would I be? Yeah. Do right. I still like that situation? No. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Right. Nobody wants to be heckled. Like I always used to hate it when I would meet people that didn't really know a lot about comedy. Be like, mm-hmm. do you have like prepared lines for like hecklers? About right. no, you deal with the moment. I do. You have lines. Yeah, you have stuff you can right. use. But you don't you don't want to hope that happens. Right, Nobody's right. like, man, just in case, like I'm gonna shoot this guy down. Right, you, I got like, my I bullets hope, ready. Yeah, I hope that doesn't happen. Right, <laughs> you know, like, people are like, oh, you should prepare like ten good strong one liners, right. and I'm like, and all ten of them could bomb if they're not right. relevant to the situation. Right. right, you have to deal with the situation in front of you. Right. So when right. a guy is Sometimes you'll get a heckler that's not even saying anything bad. Right. It's just a drunk heckler that loves you so much they won't shut up. Right, right, right. So none of your insults are going to work. Right, because the crowd's like, well, he likes you. Yeah. Right. So you have to deal with the situation as it comes, and you have to learn how to deal with it. And I remember Wally Collins giving me the best advice when it came to hecklers. Big up Wally Collins. Big up to Mr. Wally Collins. What's his thing? You never know. You never know. (laughs) You never know. Um... He said, because I, I was just actually after that time, the guy stood up in the audience and I called Wally and I said, I didn't know what to do. I froze on stage. I was so scared. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, sometimes when people are coming at you, like your, your instinct when somebody's pushing you is to push back. Mm-hmm. But if you just step out the way, <laughs> they will fall to the floor. Oh, that's themselves. dope. That's dope. And I, re- I remember being like, "That is brilliant." Yeah, All you is. have to do is let them fall on their right, own. Right. A heckler will bury himself. Ninety yeah. percent of yeah, the that's, time. Yeah, that's a good one. You will get them just by a series of questions and just like, you know, talking to them. Right. They'll right. be like, they will bury themselves, and you're like, I had to do no evil. 
Right, right, right. No evil occurred. Right, it was you, it wasn't me. It was all on you. It was all on you. So you you break the club. Because we first met where? The Laugh Factory? I'm going to say it was probably, I knew of you, uh-huh. but I had never well, met you. Well, of course you, you didn't. I was playing. <laughs> I knew of you, but I hadn't like met you. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of comics being a comedy nerd that I knew of that right. I was like, oh my God. Like, I'd, be, I'd be like, oh, Dean Edwards. Like, oh. Like, <laughs> That's funny. I'd be in the back like, oh, Dean Edwards. Like, oh, Ted Alexander, Paul Rusman Eve. Like, I would right, be right. sitting back there going, oh my God, these these were the, the New York Kings that I was getting to right, watch. Right, right. And um, I, I, I do remember having that like, I couldn't talk to you type feeling. Oh, really? Like, oh, that's I was funny. Like, I was like, I can't talk to that's funny but you know what that that shows that you first of all just let me let me uh start this by saying none of this is arrogant but but y'all know my 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 feelings on protocol with with new jacks versus uh established comics um I is that yeah no but i mean especially now learning that that you have such such a rich respect of of stand-up history yeah. you know that that doesn't surprise me, and and I don't, and that's also not to say that I'm unapproachable or Russ or, no, or Ted Alexander. I remember talking to all of you at different points, right, right, and being like, "Oh, cool, like this right. is cool, I can talk to you," right, and but also being respectful of the fact that you were a comic with more seniority, mm-hmm. and sometimes there's a pride issue where people don't want to admit, like. No, you have seniority, and mm. I have stuff that I can learn from you. Right. And I'm, but I'm not going to bombard you with questions. I watched you. Right. I watched how you conducted yourself. Right. I watched how you you, you were on stage, mm-hmm. and did the same thing with Ted. Uh, Ted Alexander, I think I approached when I was in college. Oh really? And he was at the comic strip one night, and mm-hmm. I was just this bumbling idiot. Mm-hmm. I don't even think he remembers this. That's but funny. I remember clear as day, just being like this, like, oh my god, I've seen you like six times at this <laughs> club. And you're like still amazing, <laughs> and I'm a comic. <laughs> you and the 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 foot in mouth and then like and you know what someone like ted like the 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 positive to that is you can get someone that's gonna roll with it like myself or or ted who i'm sure when you you said that he was like oh thank you oh you're oh you're a new comic oh where where you working i can see ted was like very nice about it and like it was nice to have those experiences, and I, I was lucky enough that the people I did approach, mm-hmm. and this was after carefully observing how right. they were with others and being right. like, okay, can I talk to this you got You got to listen sometimes. You just got to lay, yes. lay in the cut and pay attention and, and just keep your mouth And pay attention and learn who's approachable right. and who's not right. and who wants to be approached because right. sometimes there are people that, once they get to know you, are very right. free to yeah. talk to you. Yeah. But if they don't know you, it's like, back off because there's too many thirsty people that want stuff from me and I'm not trying to deal with well, that. Well, using the example of, say, Ted versus yeah. the first time you, you approached, say, a Todd Lynn, right? Todd Lynn approached me. It was oh, so really? funny. Todd Lynn appointed himself my mentor. Dig it. That sounds like Todd. <laughs> And it was the funniest thing because I was always I had always heard that Todd was this super mm-hmm. difficult person mm-hmm. and he was really mean. Right. Todd was... Todd had his side, but... He had his side, but he never was outright mean to me. So mm-hmm. whenever people talk about him being mean, I go, okay, that was the toddling you experienced. Right. The toddling I experienced, was he mean? Yeah, he gave me a couple of backhanded compliments. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember him telling me when I was at the Laugh Factory, he was like, you're the best female comedian that they have here. Mm-hmm. And you're mediocre. 
Mm-hmm. That was his way of being like, good job. Like it was but like, you know what? Now being a close friend of his, I'm, I'll, to psychoanalyze him saying that, that would that was his way of also lighting a fire under you to yes. say, you know what? You, you do you do well here, but there's a big world out there, and yes. there are a bunch of there's uh, there are a bunch of other female comics that there are a bunch of comics that you want to be funny as. Because in that same and, respect, and so yeah. don't get comfortable, don't get complacent here at this one club because you're doing well here. Yeah. They they they're using you here because you fill a slot, mm-hmm. and it makes it easier so they don't have to say here we got to find some other yeah. female female comics Just so that we yeah. meet the quota, right? Because even then, I mean, Todd had also told me, and I think we had this conversation earlier in the week too, mm-hmm. where Todd told me, you know, you're a Latin female comic. Nobody cares about you. Right, right. you got to be funnier than every female yeah. comic, every Latin comic, every male comic. Right. Like, you have to be funny, so funny, so undeniably funny. Yeah. Because nobody's looking for you. Right. Especially right. at the time, that was very true. Right. Once you had once you had, had a black comic or a black female comic, you had filled your quota. Right. Right. Going to any club. Right. Like it was like, well, yeah, we right. They were they were like we back. I always use the strip because the strip Perfect was the example, club. Though. The strip was like okay, we have the the strip has eighty percent. No, I'll say seventy percent white male, mm-hmm. uh, maybe fifteen to eighteen percent. Uh, black male, uh, and then divvy the rest up between uh, female comics and then black female comics. Mm-hmm. And maybe Sarah Contreras was the one. Yep, it was always me, Sarah, or Peaches. Yeah, boom. One of the three of us was on the show as the, the token Latin female yeah. comic. Yeah. So it was always this thing, and I never forgot that Todd said those words to me, and I was like, I... I will never forget that he said that because it was so true. Right. And, I mean, shortly after we had had that conversation about me being the best and being mediocre mm-hmm. at that, we start, We sat down and we wrote together. We spent a day mm-hmm. together and we wrote together. Mm-hmm. We wrote this bit that was actually a pretty funny bit, but we never got a chance to work together again. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember Todd was another one that was just like, dig deeper, keep going, mm-hmm. dig deeper. That Whether was always... respected his comedy yeah. or not... Todd was the kind of person that pushed people. Yeah, for good or for bad. For good or for bad. Like you either, you either, and what, what, uh, you know, like I said, we we knew each other f- forever. So I used to, I was a dude that could say, "Shut up, Todd." Yeah. But I also knew when, when, when he, if he, if he said that to you, that means he cared. He saw that you had something, yeah. and so he was like, "You know what." Todd was like the Todd was like the kid on the playground that he'd lay he'd lay you know he'd just sit on the bench and watch and and see the 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 social hierarchy and then he'd say oh you know she she seems pretty cool um but she she could she could do more and instead of him just coming over hi my name is Todd he'll come over and punch you in the arm right (laughs) so Todd would would punch comics in the arm a lot of comics would read that as man forget you I don't need you and and Patrice to an extent would do that too but he was a little he was a little he was a little more methodical with it where he he had a better tact to it Yes, and he had a way of doing it. I remember the first time I met Patrice, I couldn't stand him. Uh-huh. I'm 100% honest with you. Mm-hmm. Couldn't stand him. He was picking on me and several other comics. Uh-huh. And I was like, he's mean. Right. And then the next time I met him, 
he was kind of just whatever about it. Like, mm-hmm. he could have cared less right. who I was, which was understandable in the hierarchy of mm-hmm. comedy. Because I always... And despite the fact that I did not like him when I first mm-hmm. met him, I always loved his comedy. Right. I was like, this dude is brilliant yeah. across the board. I could not deny... Right, right. I, I could never deny that somebody was funny. Right. If I, even if I didn't like their personality. Right. And then I met him again, and I you know heard from people how amazing he was with his friends. Mm-hmm. And I saw a little bit of that. Right. That second time. Like, I saw the little... The way he was with the people that knew right, him, right, right, and so yeah, I was very observant when it came to a lot of Patrice's behaviors, and I, had, you know, I remember Big J telling me, I think it was Big J who told me this story, that Patrice had said, you know, in terms of comedy, when you're first starting on comedy, you're so concerned with you know being liked and and mm-hmm. and and on being on stage when you're just concerned with everybody liking you, and he said, you know, when you're for your comic, you were the funniest person in your group of friends, right. But you never went to meet up with your friends with like a pad and had notes and was mm-hmm. like, well, right. I'll do this bit and this bit and this right. bit. And then if they didn't laugh, you didn't just go, oh, oh my God, well, I got to change it up. Right. No, he was like, if you went and you said something in your group and they didn't laugh, you were like, screw you guys. I know it's funny anyway. Right. Like you already knew. He's like, you have to have that mentality when you get on stage right. that you were the funniest person right. in this room full of people. Right. So you have to know that going in. Right. And if they don't get it, they don't get it. And mm-hmm. that's just how it is. That's what I know. Right. And, it's a, and it's not the same mentality as blaming the audience. No. It's, not, no. it's I'm going to do what I'm going to do regardless of the audience. Right. And if they don't get it, I'm not, I'm not going to stand here and crap on them and say, like, well, this is your fault and you're too right. stupid and I'm too right. smart. I'm just going to go, you didn't get it. Right. It's like Carlin had a line that he used on a, a heckler... Um, and it's like one of his famous lines where he's like, I'm here for me. Mm-hmm. The audience is here for me. Nobody's here for you. Oh, nice. nice. Everybody's here for me. Right. And that's the mentality. It's like, right. yeah, everybody's like here for me. Right. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that, hearing what Patrice said, which was kind of in tune with what Carlin was saying, mm-hmm. was kind of like, you know, it makes perfect sense. And he had so, I think Patrice did have a better way of going about, like, kind of putting people in their place. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, as much as I hate to admit it, in comedy, that needs to happen. That, you know what, that's, you miss those dudes because there was someone to, to call people on the horse crap. Yeah. Nobody, nobody does that uh, anymore. anymore. No, no one, you know, the, the all the guys that, that try, did... don't have the clout to do it. Because I'll see, like, young cats in the game trying to do it, and mm-hmm. I'm like... Where do you get off? Yeah, like, yeah. you can't... What are you mad about? Right, right. What are you mad about? <laughs> right, right. That you have a right to put everybody in their place. Right. Like, when I see... And, you know, and I've had this conversation with plenty of people. But when I see dudes that are still new to the game and they talk about places like the cellar where they're like, your cellar isn't what it used to be. How right. would you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How would... How right. would you know? Because yeah, you weren't here. Yeah. You weren't even. You weren't on the the. Yeah. You weren't even uh, in in the the black rooms in Brooklyn back yeah. when 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 the cellar was was what it was. Right? Yeah. So right. it's like, where where do you get all? It's the guys that had the clout to mm-hmm. say stuff like that. Right. We lost a lot of them. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. You think you you had. Trees. You had Todd. You had Geraldo. Geraldo. You know, even Mikey. 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 Did, you know. You know, you had those guys where it was like, they they could legitimately when they spoke, you right. kind of like leaned in, yeah. like what yeah. what's going on here, like what's being said, right. And you know, there's always gonna be like 
comics that you know okay that come up and then they get to that level of now you're the comic that people lean in right. to listen to right. you know what I mean and it, but it comes with time yeah and you gotta respect that it comes with time and right. experience right and you know I think that's always been something I've been very mindful of mm-hmm. but you you came into it with with a respect that yeah I have such a, a lot respect of other people might game. not have have had uh, a reverence for if you're a new for, comic or you're new to the game. And you're not a student of comedy. What are you doing? Right, right. Because if you're a composer, if you're a musician, you're a jazz musician, or if you're a hip hop artist, you study the history. You listen to everybody. Of yes, yeah. Because you want to learn. You just want to fill yourself with the knowledge of this art form that you love. Right. To be a new comic and to be. Whoa. Right. No, go ahead. you know what? Keep keep finish that thought. Okay. Finish that thought. Uh, this. That's that's Vieira. That's Vieira coming up in here. Uh, We are still taping a podcast. (laughs) I'm hungry. Bring me food. We're wrapping it up. You going to work out now? I'm going to just do... Going again? Doing 30 of cardio? I'm going to go to the Garden Cafe while you do cardio. (laughs) Okay, we'll meet you at Flamingos. Okay. Okay, why? Are we eating at Flamingos then? Yeah. Um, Mark, you don't want to say hi to the people? Uh, We're doing the podcast. Say hi. We're doing the podcast. You could have gotten... Two weeks in a row. Say hi. Hi. Just, oh my God. Say hi. Hi. Son, we hi. Hi, son. Hi. What are you doing? doing I'm gonna, um, she's in the gym, so I'm going to have the room steward. Okay. I get cute. Mark, Mark is, okay. is, is his wife's birthday tomorrow. So he's and, doing so and romantical so, yeah, things. Little Switzerland. That's 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 big things are going on. That's, that's like big the Jake. Things are that's, that's Jacob the jeweler in the islands. Um, yeah. Everywhere you go. <laughs> yeah. Little Switzerland. You you got a bag from yeah. Little Switzerland. Somebody's yeah. going to be happy. Yeah. Somebody's going to be happy again. <laughs> again, yeah. Again. Yeah, man. So I went to France and got her bags. So. You got, you got oh. a bag. He, got, he knows the guy. He got a bag. Louis Vuitton. The Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton. Louis Yo, let me tell you something. She got a lot of. This has been. This. You know what? I'm mad. We're still recording. We're still right? Okay. Yeah, it's still okay. Going. And I'm mad because I didn't. We didn't talk anything about you being a police officer. Nah. Because we we were sleepy. <laughs> We were recording like three at like three in the morning. But, yeah, yeah. So yeah. so Mark Mark will come back. But um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. we've been going what like then there. Let me see, let me see how long it's we've been, been going. Been uh, two minute. two minute two hours exact two hours and thirty seconds. We've yeah. been see she got well, some that's, some, right, that's good. good. Yeah good. yeah, and she's What's my up? first female. Gina Briones hey. again. Shout out to everybody who makes you know who makes comedy funny, man. You yeah know yeah. What I mean? yeah. So this is just a. An important piece of it is talking yeah Just getting it all yeah. out because we all have a story to tell yeah you know what i mean yeah so one of the funniest gina brio love it i love working with you this week yeah yeah and, we're gonna have uh, had a we're gonna have more weeks because you need more money yeah truth Word. And, truth Word. Right. And, we need, <laughs> and we need and we need more gina I I, we, we need more we, gina we need, on this boat <laughs> damn it we got the escape. We got everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now we got I need that epic to Barcelona. Yeah. Word, up. word, yeah, word. Let's you know do that. Word, word. That, that would be nice. I'll catch you later. Yeah. All right, we'll be up there. Everybody on the, the, the for the mucking protocol. Yeah. yeah. All right, son. All right, peace. <laughs> you didn't see his face when I opened the door. He was standing there like, <laughs> Mark's an idiot. Oh. He's such a fool. Yeah, man. Um, 
I forgot even what I was saying. Uh, I, don't what I, was saying. Uh, I don't even remember. I'm so clouded by the thought that I need food. Yeah, we we we'll wrap this up. I'm so, um, no, you know, it's fine. It's, it didn't really hit yeah, me I'm, until I'm, I saw Mark. Yeah. I was like, uh, oh, my yeah, stomach not, was like, oh, food. I'm hungry too. I'm hungry yeah. too. Um, oh. No, so, okay, so. I know we were talking about like Patrice and all those guys that yeah. would put people in their place yeah. and, you know, Getting to that level, it's very funny because when I get approached by people now, mm-hmm. and I mean, I've... And it's funny being on that other side of it. Now, yes. Right? Because yeah. it's like, I've been doing this now like 17, 18 years. Dig it, dig it. And I remember the first person who had that moment with me, and she would she would definitely co-sign this mm-hmm. because she was the one that told me about this story. Mm-hmm. Christina Galston, mm-hmm. whom I absolutely adore. She's very funny. We did a show in the Bronx with Mark... Mm-hmm. And Vieira. Mark Vieira, okay. yes. I, I came into the uh, the showroom, and I walk past her, and I go, "Oh, hey, Christina!" And like I go back to where the comics were sitting, mm-hmm. and she she told me later on because we became friends mm-hmm. after this kind of closer friends. She said that her girlfriend like smacked her on the arm. And was like, "That's the girl that you like, right?" That's the girl. <laughs> and Christina was like, "Shut up! Shut up! Yeah, Don't want to see. Shut up!" And she said, "When she said, uh, when I said hi to her, when I was like, hey, Christina,' she was like, oh, she knows my name.' Like, That's was, funny. And we we talked about that moment, and the, you know, and we would talk about comedy a lot. I love being approached. It's so strange because like. I love being approached by newer comics because mm-hmm. comedy is one of my favorite things to talk about. Right. And, you know, there have been very few people that I've been like, you know, even I would say mildly annoyed by because I'm a pretty patient person. Mm-hmm. And I understand that not a lot of people will answer these questions. Right. I get that not right. a lot of people have the time or the patience to answer these <clears throat> questions. I always help as much as I can in terms of information. Yeah. You know, and like I'll I'll I can explain to you the situations I've been in and how right. I handled certain things. I did um I don't know if you ever did it. Jeff Lawrence does this comedy workshop or seminar thing. Mm-hmm. He brought me in as a speaker. Mm-hmm. And no, you should t- totally, you'd be so uh, beneficial. Let me tell you, so, so, I apologize, Jeff. I don't even know who Jeff Lawrence oh, he's is. Oh, he runs the Lantern. Um, okay. Or ran the Lantern. Okay. Very nice guy. Um, uh, stand-up comic, like very into, like another one, a student of comedy. Right, very, right. Very like right. into comedy as an art form. And he had this seminar and I went and I spoke and he mm-hmm. was like, you know, we really need somebody to come in and speak. Mm-hmm. You know, as a female comic, I think, you, you know, definitely be beneficial and I loved it. Right. I spoke for about an hour. I had like a hundred and two fever. I was so mm-hmm. sick, mm-hmm. but I still went because I was just like I I wanted to. Well, share, do share, that. share, share. And some of those people, I, I always want to call them kids. Some of those kids. Some of those, some those kids. kids. Some of those kids hit me up on the on the Facebook. On the Facebook. And uh, I told them I said feel free to hit me up because right. you know I there's. I wish somebody had answered a lot of my questions. Right, right, because there was a lot of or just that trial I had been and given, error. Like, yeah. The leeway to be like, yes, approach me. Right, right. And if if I can help you, I will, you know, give you as much information as possible and talk you through certain things. And but you have your own journey. Right. You have your own way that you have to get through this. Right. Everybody, there's no magical. Well, that's 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 always my view on advice. Yeah. I can I can like you just said, you can share your experience yeah. and share what what you did to maneuver your experience, but you can't really about, advise someone because what works for you doesn't necessarily work for anyone else. And what will work for you? Like I, you know, people ask me like, "Oh, when you started, like, how much were you getting up?" And I was like, "You don't want to know," right? Because I was relentless. Right. I was. I was getting up 14 times a week. Yeah. 
Yeah. At little bar shows, at wherever I could get, I was going up. It was when Ha was first Ha. Right, so they when it had was like Sweet Caroline's. So many, oh, dig it! Wow, I was there. Uh-huh. And, and how many shows did Ha do a night? Because I know they at the time when I started with them, they were doing four shows. Right. Like they were doing, they do like an early show and a late show in the one room, right. and then they opened up the other room and they would do an early and a late right. show there. Right. And so I was doing. Anywhere from two to four shows a night. Right. And then, then because the factory at one point, at the fact, New York uh, Lab Factory at their at their peak, they had three stages going yes. at one they time. They had five showrooms. Yeah. And they would have three comedy shows going yeah. on at a time. Yeah. And so, I mean, I it, it's so dependent on how hard you're willing to work. Yeah, you got to put in the work. You got to be willing to get out there. And if you're the type of comic that's like, well... I don't want to go out on like a Tuesday night and all right, well, good luck. You And you know, it's funny you bring that up because I remember a, a female comic um, that would always stop and start and stop and start. And we, I mean, this is years ago mm-hmm. and she, she complained. She was like, yeah, you know what? I um I don't go out as much because I don't have a car and because I don't have a car, I can't. I I don't want to be on the train at two o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, and a legitimate, a legitimate rational reason for yeah. not because there were not there were nights I did, and and I remember in that moment her telling me that made me say, "Geez, I didn't realize that's another level yeah. of, of fear that." A female comic has to deal with that. A male, like, I'm I'm six six four. So even if I'm on the train and shook, even if, even yeah. if I was on 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 the G train going to Bed Stuy back when it's Bed Stuy and not Stuyvesant Heights, I still had to play it off. Like yeah, you bet you don't want to mess it is with a, me. It is a thing that, and I remember people are always amazed. Like I I feel like I need to make another PSA. I don't hang out. Right. I don't. Right. I never have. I probably never will. Unless I'm with my friends. Right. People that I know. Because like I told you earlier, you just recently having been at the cellar, I don't hang out there. And it's not because, or it's not just because maybe not a lot of my friends are there. Mm-hmm. Or a lot, maybe there's not people I know there. It's because I don't hang out. And that's right. something that I've kept. It's a habit. Because when I started, you know, I noticed... You know the guys would get gigs if they mm-hmm. hung out late and I talked was, with I people. I was just gonna say that's unfortunately yes that's, that's a part, part of, of the game. part of the game and so you have to hang out because a lot of gigs, a lot of things you'll book whether it's whether it's a stand up gig or it's an actual TV film opportunity it happens will happen out from late just night hanging out yeah. and talking and but I noticed that would happen for the guys okay but what would happen for the girls is awkward situations. Mm-hmm. Where you you're now surrounded by guys, maybe one or two or all of them that are trying to hook up with you, mm-hmm. and I was never comfortable in that situation, especially being only seventeen when I started. Right. So it was like I'd be the youngest person in the group, and then you'd have a bunch of dudes trying to get me drinks, and I and I was like, no, thank you. Comics no, are jackals. You. Yeah, and so I kind of peeped that really early, and I was like, you know what? 
to a certain extent, I would go out to certain rooms that I knew I was safe in with people okay. like Angelo, mm-hmm. Angelo Lozada, right. people like Mark Vieira, who right. like people that I came up with that I was like, I can trust these right. guys, I can be around them. Right. Even Mark DeMeo, which is a right. surprising one, because right. for a lot of people, you know, they were like, Mark never tried it with you. I'm like, no, right. he's not. He's He was always like this older brother right. type figure right. that was like, no, I got you. Like, right. You're you're, yeah, you're God, safe. Thank God, cool. God you don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it was like, um, I would I I would stay and hang out with the people that I knew I was safe with. Right. And it kind of stayed with me throughout the years. What was like, you want? I mean, Gotham, which is my home club. Mm-hmm. I barely hang out there. Right. And I love being there. Right. But it's like I'll walk in, say hi, and even if I'm say not, hi to the Carlin picture. Say hi to the Carlin <laughs> picture every single time. Right. And then say bye to it on my way out. Right. But, like, I'll walk in for a couple minutes and hang out for a couple minutes. But I was never... It, and it's... It's obviously with me, it's a learned, repetitive behavior. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't hang out. So, it is quintessential, though, like, to... I did make connections mm-hmm. when I was starting. Did I hang out when I started? Yeah, because mm-hmm. I was doing so many shows and I was in college and I was working as a waitress. And mm-hmm. so, I was used to being out late night. So, it wasn't a late night thing with me. Mm-hmm. Because I had a system, too, because I was always taking the train late. Right. I would anyway. ride in the first car. Okay. Because I was right by the conductor. Right. If anything happened, oh, I have wow. a human being that I can right. go to. If it was late night, and I'm talking, if it was past 11, I was riding in the first car of whatever train that I was on. Dig it, dig it. That's interesting. Um, And that was just I. That was just me going, at least if something goes down, there's a person that can right. radio for help. Right. Worst case scenario right. if anything happens. Well, that's playing, playing smart. Yeah. I mean, that, shoot, I knew I was uh, as a guy, a, a guy. You, you don't have to think about could, that. You, you don't have to think about it, but it might behoove you to do that, yeah. you know? To uh, also be like, um, I remember there was a guy that I was uh, dating. Uh, who's also a comic, and mm-hmm. he was like, that's actually a really good system. That's he was smart. Like, he was like, that's really... Because I would leave late night, and I would be like, okay, well... And I wouldn't hang out till 3, 4 in the morning. I'm talking like maybe 1 or 2, mm-hmm. and this is in the middle years, not when I was just starting, but when I was kind of already somewhat mm-hmm. established, and mm-hmm. I would hang out. I would, you know, always have a system of... It didn't matter what car I came in on. If it was late, I was going back on that first car. Right. Like, I was not... Right. And there were enough creeps that, you know, I um, I learned that system just being like, all right, there's too many creeps in Manhattan not to do this. Right. And you were living in the Bronx? I was so? living in the Bronx. Right. So going back home to the Bronx. Yeah, on the 6th. On the 6th. On to Soundview. Yeah. Yes. No, I know I know that train quite well. <laughs> um, but that, you know what, that, that opens a whole, that's something that as a, as a male comic, as dangerous as it is, I just never really paid attention to it. But as a as a female, you as a female, period, you have to be conscious of. And do you do you find as as a female? I, I don't like them. I don't want to make this like this is the female no, episode. No, no, no. But, uh, but there are, just out of curiosity, are yeah, there, there are differences. You face, I'm sure, different prejudices in the industry just based yeah. on a fem- being a woman. Oh, absolutely. There's so many different like um. I mean, we t- we talked about you know earlier me getting comments like I don't find females funny. Mm-hmm. You which has to which has to annoy you and do you? It's annoying, but I get it. But and you get where it comes from. I get okay. where it comes from because and I had this I've had this conversation with several female comics that I'm at, I absolutely love that work in the business when we talk about the examples that people are given of female comedy on TV. Okay. The women that make it on TV, one 
a lot of them seem to come out of the same "I'm cute and I'm dirty" machine. That the just current, spits the out. current, the yes. one, the current, uh, the current female crop comedy of female content, comics. right? Is like I'm cute, I'm dirty, I'm cute, I'm dirty, I'm cute, I'm, and right. it's like this machine that just keeps spitting them out one right. by one. And what I always say to comedy styles like that is, okay, that's great for now. Mm-hmm. It works now because right. you're cute and dirty. But what's gonna happen when you're not cute anymore? Right. What's gonna happen when nobody cares how many guys you slept with because right. now you're right. an older woman and right. they want to know that you have some substance. Right. They want to know where you've been and what you know, and they want to know life right. from you. Right. Um, and and what you're doing now has no, you know, longevity to it. Right. Because it's a short lived gimmick that you're using right and so a lot of that is what guys see on tv and they see right through it right you know and so there's a part of me that likes the fact that i'll be the one that they're like you know i don't like female comics but you i like you and there's a part of me that does take pride in that like thank you but there's also a part of me being a female comic that's like you know what dude you don't know how hard it is Mm -hmm. to and i i used to get really annoyed because i would hear male comics be like oh women exaggerate on how hard it is being a female comic i'm like no we don't we don't mm. exaggerate enough on how crappy were those it is. were those male comics of color white male comics yeah no well because and the only and I reason I yeah I the it. reason I I ask that is because anyone that's been a, in a position where um, they faced any form of prejudice mm-hmm. whether it's racial or gender you get it you you if someone if someone screams it enough you say you know there there has to be some truth to yeah. it. But it's like a lot of the, and it was, honestly, it was white male comics who were like, oh, it's exaggerated and blah. No, it's not. It's, I mean, it's literally scrutinized down to the point of what we wear on stage, Mm -hmm. how we, uh, it's our, what we wear, how we look, our material, everything. If you're too pretty, you can't be that funny. Right. Because, right. Because. So it's like, that's, that's the kind of stigma. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you see a pretty girl on stage and and a a couple of these women, unfortunately, and a lot of this I see in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. where they perpetuate the stereotype of like pretty and unfunny where they just go up there and they're not unfunny on purpose, Mm -hmm. but I'm watching these, this one girl, I remember I did a showcase. I don't know who she was. She was wearing this little cocktail dress that showed off the great figure that she had. And she just went up there, and I cannot remember one thing she said. Did she get laughs? Were people laughing? No, because her entire set, I just remember, in in summation, mm-hmm. her entire set was about how beautiful she was. Oh, wow. Her that's, entire set. That's, that's, that's brash. Yeah, it was her entire set was about being rich and beautiful. Oh, wow. wow. And it was like, of course wow. people don't think women are funny, because right. look who's getting stage time right, right now. Right. And so <clears throat> wow. there's a lot that you put up with and then you add not just being female, being ethnic and female and the right. stigma that comes with being ethnic. And, and sometimes I hear a lot of arrogant stuff from a lot of my white male comic friends and mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you kind of have to school them or like kind of tell them like, you know. Because sometimes ignorance is, is, is not necessarily... Ignorance is to me is bad when someone's not willing to listen and learn what's making them ignorant and like yes. like a child a child that doesn't know math is ignorant doesn't know 2 plus 2 is 4 yeah. they're ignorant to uh what math is and how how mathematics work but if you teach that child and that child is willing to learn yeah. they're not a bad person cuz they don't understand why what 2 plus 2 is to me it's ignorant for them to Learn it and still say, I don't, I don't. 
Yeah. Um, by that, and that's the and and I say that because I'm sure there are there, I know there are white male listeners that that are gonna hear this that are that are that are for the fucking fam, and I don't want you all to get offended that she's yeah, she's no, saying this. She's I don't saying this. Offense. Yeah, she's saying it because there are people if 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 you have not been uh uh categorized in a group that's ostracized for whatever yeah. reason, then there's a good chance you're not going to understand what that uh what that oppressive uh what oppressive behavior they're receiving is yeah i feel and i just feel like there's a couple of guys that have made certain comments like you know and even in jest and ignorant comments still is an ignorant comment and what you know like they'll talk about like i did my hour special and there you know there were uh, one of my friends was like oh it was so um was so strange to see you pandering to your Latino audience. And I was like, I wasn't pandering. Mm-hmm. I was talking about relevant topics mm-hmm. that are culturally connected right. to me. And the same way uh, if, if you're, uh, say, Sebastian Maniscalco, yeah. if, if you have an audience full, and there are a lot of Italians in the audience, he he's going to... The he, benefit of being ethnic, and I... I, I I make no apologies for this. Right. Is having that connection right. with that audience that is from the same cultural background. Right. Now, if you want to sit home and sulk because you don't have that advantage, right. d- there's a difference between pandering. Right. I've seen white male comics that pander, right. just like I've seen ethnic comics that pander. Right. Pandering is one thing, right. but talking about your culture. And I remember I got this question from a new comic who had. Mm-hmm who had uh, sent me a Facebook message and he said, I mean no disrespect by this. I saw your special. I think you're mm-hmm. a great comic. Do you ever worry about um, being accused of pandering because you talk about your ethnic background? And mm-hmm. I said, no, because it's part of who I am. Right, you can't, but it's can't not run from it. It doesn't define you. Yeah, right. that's not all I'm made up of. Right. And if I look at my set, I will be proud to know that I can talk about that. And does it affect my point of view? Yes. Right. Growing up in the South Bronx affected my point of view on life. Right. Just like growing up, you know, being Puerto Rican affected my, you know, point of view on life. These are things that I have in my wheelhouse, in my arsenal, mm-hmm. that affect my point of view on so many different topics. Mm-hmm. From every, you know, and I do like to talk about relationships and I like to talk about family and I like to talk about stuff like that. Right. But... I don't think I do it in this way that is just constantly coded in, mm-hmm. I'm ethnic, right. I'm ethnic, I'm right. ethnic, I'm ethnic. I don't have to do that. It comes across in my personality. Right. I said, you know, if people, people are always going to have an opinion. Right. If you're Haitian and you talk about it, right. or if, if you're Latin and you talk about right. it, somebody's always going to have something to say right. to you about it. It's your choice as an artist, as a performer, right. to do what you want. Right. You don't want to talk about it, you don't got to talk right. about it. You want to talk about it, talk about Do it, you? but talk about it fearlessly. Right, right. Don't talk about it with this idea of, oh my God, what is, what is Dean Edwards thinking sitting in the back of the comedy club watching? Right. Like, what is, what is like, what are so many, because people, well, so that's, many comics. That's, that's the peer pressure. That, yeah. That, that, uh, you want to be respected by your peers, but you also yeah. should not cater your set just right. for comics. Right, no. no, no. What are you doing? Right. Like, so, okay, so you're telling me that if you just cater your set so that Dave Attell laughs... Then that's your goal. Right. You've made Dave Attell laugh. What about the hundred people that are sitting right. in the comedy club? That paid to get yeah. in. Right. Like, why are you worried about... If you're being genuine and you're being yourself and funny is funny, mm. 
David Tell's gonna laugh with the rest of the people. Exactly. Exactly. All right, so because we do got we gotta eat we before gotta they eat. stop. We're getting faint. Stop serving. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, before they stop serving, serving food. Right. What? What? Um, I know your your turn. You and Mark actually. It's funny. You both are touring with Fluffy. Yes. Um, how did that come about? Just give people some insight on. Um. Well, I signed with my management company, um, Levity mm-hmm. Entertainment Group, and they mm-hmm. were um. They were looking for somebody to pair me with that they thought would be a good fit in terms of touring, just to kind of get my name out there. Okay. And, you know, you want to pair people together because that fan base that you you know, the headliner has, yeah, piggyback. you get introduced to their fan base and they see where it goes, but you always want to pair correctly. And I think at first they were pushing for kind of George Lopez and they were like, you know, we really want to hook you up with George Lopez, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of scheduling issues. We could never kind of meet up. Mm-hmm. And then somebody said, you know what? Gabriel would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just try and get them to meet. And mm-hmm. I did his show, Stand Up Revolution. That was the first time we met. Okay. Um, and he's probably, he's one of the most amazing people I've mm-hmm. ever met. He is humble. Right. Hardworking. Right. And very generous. Mm-hmm. And um, we've had so many talks about comedy. And mm-hmm. he's so insightful. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't be more thankful to have been connected with somebody. Because you could be connected with somebody and you guys could just not click. Right. Um, or you could be connected with somebody that has no uh, desire to talk to you about certain things or walk you through certain things. Well, I mean, someone, so, someone's manager is saying we have to pair you with, like... He could have been. He, he's at a level where he could have said, yeah. "I don't know. Yeah, want to bring. I'm bringing uh, my, my my friends, yeah. uh, which I always respected about him. I remember I, he and I the first time. Actually, we we've, we've only probably met once or twice, but we met overseas. Um, I, I'm not sure if it was Qatar or Amman, Jordan, but we met. He was uh, he was leaving the comedy festival, so I think it was Amman, Jordan. The, the Mon Comedy Festival, he was leaving as we got there. So we had one night uh, where we all were in the same space. And, we you know, just like like a quick, hey, man, respect. Yeah. You know, I know you are. You know who I am. And it was all love. And but I but I and I think I met Edgar. Uh, Ed, Ed, I forgot his name. Jeez, I apologize. Ed. Um, but he brought a, a bunch of cats on the road with yeah. him. I was like, yo, that's that's. That's how you do it. You go on the road. Whether he's a very loyal. Yeah, and you bring who you bring your people. Yeah, he's a very loyal person and a, just a good, good person. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and I, I've told him this before. Mm-hmm. Like he's, it, it's always it just floors me how humble he is, mm-hmm. and how incredibly generous and how incredibly right. nice he is. And this isn't me like sucking up. This is me being genuinely honest. This, I mean. It's mind blowing that a guy at his level is right. the way that he is. But you know what? I I I I don't think it's mind blowing. I think if he, I don't even know him from Adam like that. I hardly know him. But I bet you he has a strong spiritual base. Yeah. Uh, strong faith. When you have faith in yourself, you have faith in 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 God or whatever you put your faith in. I feel like it does me, keep you humble. It keeps yeah. you humble. Because if you if you have just faith in you know the earth is the the planet the ocean is bigger than me and uh, that keeps things yeah. in perspective where you're like you know what I can either be be really 
dicky about this or I can I can enjoy it. Yeah. Be humble. Have people say, yo, you know what? It's surprisingly very humble to Because you know how the industry can change people, but I think you're very, very correct when you say when you come from a place where you're grounded in something. Yeah. Where you realize Because I know you you have a strong faith in yes. it's very spiritual. I'm very team Jesus. Yes. Um your hat says so. It does. <laughs> it says Jesus is my boss. Boom. Bam. And uh <laughs> I um I feel like that does kind of ground you because what that does is not only teach you appreciation for all the things that do come your way mm-hmm. and gratitude for all the things that right. do come your way, but an understanding that tomorrow it could not be there. Right, right. Tomorrow you can... And the way comedy is, and it's so very fickle at times, um, I remember um, when uh, one of my friends was auditioning at the cellar and he called me up and he was like, oh my God, what if they put me on after a tell? Mm-hmm. They, and I said, what if they do? Right. He could bomb and you could kill. Right. That's how comedy right. works. Yeah. You don't know how yeah. it's going to go. Yeah. It's part of the allure is that is knowing that this might not work. Right. This I could go That's part of the thing. rush. Yeah, and and the fact that it does mm-hmm. is a victory. Right. So because there's always that chance. Yeah. And and I feel like that is is something that once you once you kind of grasp that and you realize that maybe you're on top today. Mm-hmm. But tomorrow you could yeah, you could right. be the next comic that's just forgotten about. Yeah, yeah. If you realize that, and, and that fuels not only your humility, but it also fuels you to that work ethic that you need to right. sustain right. any kind of career in this business. Right. That, you know, that ability to kind of, and kind of like pick yourself up when stuff does go bad. Or, right. when, you know, that kind of ability to rebuild. You look at guys like Dave Chappelle, mm-hmm. still respected. Right. Still right. respected, amazing comedian. Right. So, I mean, I... I think that it is important that you have some, something to ground you mm-hmm. is important. And, and that's at every level. Because it's going to get, and I always tell people this, it's going to get a lot harder before it gets easier or fun. Yeah, and even when it gets easy and fun, it still... It still has the difficulties. Yeah. There's, at, at every level, there's yeah. something you're dealing with. Yeah, I mean, you know, Gabe is... Is doing that. Y'all just did the garden, right? Well, he did the garden. I was actually away on. Oh, the, you on are. Monday. Oh, yeah. oh. So I couldn't do it with him. I would have loved. I know because I was just gonna say, how was that as yeah. a, as a native New Yorker? I mean, but even you know? just doing, uh, even when we did Vegas together, seeing mm-hmm. like when you do something on a massive scale. What what like what size audience? Are y'all doing what like three to five thousand or like ten thousand? Like I think the theater we did. Listen, we did one theater. I can't remember if it was in Vegas or mm. Reno that was like a 5,000 seat yeah, theater. Yeah, yeah, And when yeah. you're doing something on that scale, first of all, all of my favorite comics are theater comics. Mm-hmm. Carlin, Eddie Izzard. Like, mm-hmm. you look at Eddie people, Izzard is, is it's uh, just unreal. So I'm at Radio City a couple of years back, and I was like, wow. I fangirled out. I met yeah. him at Montreal and oh, yeah. completely... I forgot my name. Ah, that's funny. I forgot. He kept asking me my name, and I just completely forgot it, and I was just fumbling <laughs> over my words. Because it was like, Carlin... Izzard. Those were like top list yeah. people. If I meet, I'm freaking out. Right. Never got to meet Carlin, which was such a bummer. But like when I met Eddie Izzard, I just, I couldn't help but right. figure it out. Right. I think he's absolutely brilliant. So um, what were you saying about the, the, the comics you, that most of your comics that you, you're a fan of, they're theater comics yes. as opposed to club or as opposed as to a, stadium? As or? opposed to club. Okay. Because a lot of the theater comics, you know, they can do stadium stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's like, and, and, there's a difference, and you know what? You'll notice the difference. If you want, really want to see the difference between a theater and a club performance, mm-hmm. 
Look at Louis C.K.'s special, Oh My God, which was done in Arizona in uh, the same theater that Carlin filmed one of his specials. Okay. And it was a round, uh, theater in the round. In the round, right. And bro- just beautiful theater. Right. That set versus the set that he recently did at the Comedy Store mm-hmm. and filmed as an hour, you can see the difference mm-hmm. between this polished theater set mm-hmm. and this much freer kind of like whatever happens happens mm-hmm. i have a basic idea of what i want to do mm-hmm. comedy club set mm-hmm. you know and you see that kind of like the difference between the between two. the polish versus the yes, we're going to see where this goes when you have this understand the the dynamics are different right right when you're in a comedy club there's a closeness that's there that yeah. you can play it's off intimate. of there's much more intimacy than at a theater where you have this grand stage right. and People have paid eighty to a hundred dollars yes, per to ticket, see you, right. and they want a show. Right. They don't necessarily want to talk to you. Right. They want a show. They right. want you to entertain them. Right. So there's this kind of. There's this unspoken like agreement, agreement yeah. where it's like I am here to perform. Right. Whereas when you see like the Tom Hanks, I have made fire. Yes. Right. right. When you are <laughs> in this comedy club setting and it's like, whatever happens, happens, and I'm going to make the best of it. Mm-hmm. And both have their beauty and fun. Right. Both have their, you know, their, I love both. Both of those different dynamics are amazing in their own respect. I've just always loved the bigness of the theater performance mm-hmm. and the fact that you had so much space. Well, that's that's I I dig theaters, yes. man, because I just love a big, big stage. If if I don't have a big stage, I feel, especially in a club, depending on what club, um, stages because I'm tall. Yeah. I feel like it's forcing me to be small. Yeah. And so I, I, I consciously have to tell myself, don't sit down, because if you sit down, you're not you're not at 110%. You're, you're yeah. only be at 90%, you know? And those are things that the crowd doesn't realize, but performers... Um, yeah, you take that into consideration. Realize, Meanwhile, yeah. I always have to tell myself, because I can... Like, I'm not the tiniest person in the world, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty diminutive. I'm pretty, like, <laughs> I'm pretty tiny. Uh, height wise mm-hmm. and so like whenever I'm on a big stage it's like I have to tell myself mm-hmm. step it up like right. you're a you're a dot on this right. stage to some okay. people okay. you know even if there's screens like you have to be as big as this yeah. theater you gotta fill the room yeah. you gotta you gotta you gotta sing to the cheap seats yeah. to row ZZ so it's like you gotta be this right. bigger even bigger badder version of yourself right which is Probably the allure for me is that ability to like, oh, I really get to be big. Right, right. You can be super Gina. Yeah. Right. Super Gina. <laughs> super Gina. So what what do you have on the horizon before we wrap it up? I, I know, what. well, first, what, in a perfect world, what do you want to accomplish? Aside, I, I already know you want to be uh, not only a well-respected comic, but you'd love... To have someone watch you the same way you watched yeah, of everyone back in the days from, from Carlin to Margaret to to Kathleen to, uh, you know, who else did we, uh, to Stephen Lynch, you know, yeah. whomever. Um, so, but it's outside of stand-up, outside of wanting to become the best stand-up, you can be um, a revered stand-up comic that can bring their own, your, that can pull someone up the same way Fluffy has helped you, yeah. you know. Um, do you, do you want to do, do you, you want to be an actress on television? You want to do film? I would film? love to do film. Okay. I would love to do, um, 
right now uh, we're trying to develop like a story. There's like, no what try. We, we well, do what, do well we are then. That's true. We're developing, developing what yes. would be a sitcom story for me. Okay. Like what? Because I would like to do something in, you know, television. And I like the idea of telling a story. Mm-hmm. I love storytelling. Right. So I have like two or three half-written movie scripts. Okay. One, actually, one finished short film romantic comedy script that I wrote. Oh, yeah, that's uh, good. With a writing partner. And then one dramatic comedy type thing that I wrote by myself. Okay. And uh, two other projects that, I mean, I, I love, if I had to choose between film and TV, I would choose film. Okay. Why? Which, um, I love the whole process of making a movie Mm -hmm. the entire process Mm -hmm. is fascinating right because you just did the fluffy movie yeah okay so the the entire process is just fascinating Mm -hmm. writing the script the editing the shooting the cameras everything around the the lighting and everything is just so amazing and you get that with tv Mm -hmm. but with with tv it's a very grueling schedule Mm -hmm. i like the idea of doing television Mm -hmm. and you would know this from your experience in television Mm -hmm. it's very grueling that schedule Mm -hmm. what i liked about what i like about movies is that maybe you're busy for like a month Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) working on this and it's like you know you have long shoot days and stuff like that but then it's like okay you'll shoot a movie in a couple of weeks it takes a longer time to get to that point yeah and it's a hurry up and wait again yeah it's another hurry up and wait but it's like once you get to that point things start moving you have a bunch of weeks where it's non-stop work whereas with television I just feel like and I've had people that have worked on like sitcoms and stuff like Mm -hmm. that where it's the monotony of the everyday kind mm-hmm. of like, oh, all right, we go here and we shoot for five right. hours. But also that what would television, television is fun to work in, mm-hmm. in that you do create that family of people that you work right. with for on that everyday kind of basis. Right, for if you're fortunate enough, a, a couple of years. Whereas film, the other thing I noticed with film, film is, is hurry up and wait. There's a lot of wait time just on the setup. Same with television, yes. but... Film is even more extensive where you, you might sit in your trailer all day and then they come, it's your scene, they shoot you and now they have to take an hour to reset the camera yeah. on the other side. So there's a, there's there's even more of that on film, whereas with television, they have to do it a lot faster. Yes. You know, because and it has to get done in that week. Yeah, exactly. They're working with a shorter time frame. Right, right. But yeah, I would I like would like to do TV and film. So well, then we'll you see. will. Well, yes, you, will. you you will. And I I I think um, what I admire is that you're you're creating at the same time. You're you've written a couple of things already, which I don't think enough people understand. You you should do. I'm like if like I'm right now. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm writing. Um, I was before Gina. I just showed her my laptop is on. And I'm sitting here working on this um, this script because a it keeps your 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 tools sharp. Yeah. B it just they're not gonna do it for you, the so you gotta do it for yourself. Do it yourself. Like, yeah, you gotta put yourself in that position. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's what we do. Well, uh, Miss Brion, where can people find you online or all uh, your social networking? Hopefully, my website is is much. <laughs> doing better now apparently it was all in it Japanese was limping. Um, I don't know what happened there was like a glitch and my entire you be old I don't know <laughs> entire website was in Japanese but uh, GinaBrion.com is the website GinaBrion on Instagram um, GinaBrion on Facebook and on Twitter GinaBrion the only thing that's different is Instagram because there was already a GinaBrion on Instagram really? yeah from Filipino oh okay uh, she probably works on this 
on the ship. <laughs> and Brion is is B R I L L O N. Brion. Roll your L's. Uh, as always, um, this is your man Dean Edwards. You can find me on all social media at I A M Dean Edwards. Cause that's who I am, Jita. This has been awesome. Um, this one was a long one. But it was good. It was fulfilled. This, You'll this, fix it in post. no, no, I know, right? <laughs> Yo, it, it's been awesome, man. We, we, we have a couple more shows. I'm looking forward to them. And now we are gonna get our grub on, Let's man. Go get our grub Two on. fingers, all love, Daisy.